from Tarpon River. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <sighs> so yeah, we're live. We're live. Nice. Do we get to have a beer now? Yeah, we get to have a beer. <laughs> nice. Let's, let's start with this one. Yeah. Cool. So what's what's the story about that one? Uh, so this is a... What's the uh, name? What's the uh, New River East? Fest. 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 New yeah, River so Fest. This is a traditional German um, Marzen, which okay. is for was originally what was brewed in Germany for Oktoberfest. Oh, cool. So it's a amber lager. Nice. And you're you're making beer. Yeah, we make all the beer. Nice. <laughs> so you made this. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Wrote the recipe and everything. Cheers, man. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Uh, that was delicious. Thank you. Uh, nice. Nice. Uh, and um, so that was made that was made for Oktoberfest. Yeah. We're in the middle of Oktoberfest right now. Is it? Yeah. Started oh. a week ago, week or two ago. Okay. So it should be finished. Actually, May have just finished. Oh, really? Okay. Traditionally, it starts at the middle of September and finishes up right in the first week of October. Wait, how can it how can it start in, in September? It's Oktoberfest. Is it's a funny? It's <laughs> it is. It's September sixteenth to what? October third. What? Yeah. yeah, it's like Septemberfest then. Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> what kind of weird marketing is yeah, that? Yeah, it's 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 a. I'll tell you funny stories about that. So. Um, Traditionally, Oktoberfest was the celebration of the harvest for the summer. Okay. So they were celebrating all the fruits and vegetables that grew all summer. They were getting ready for the roll into the fall when everything kind of goes into, you know, stasis with as far as farming is concerned. And, you know, they're harvesting everything, getting ready for the long winter. So um, that's how it started. Um, but then it was... Where, did, where did it start? In, in Germany? In Germany, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was where it was based out of. And then you, it became. Do you know when it started? When it started? Like what year? Oh, like the 1600s, 1500s, something like oh, that. Oh shit, yeah, that's yeah. been a while. It's been a while, yeah. Um, and then the history goes back to also P P Prince Ludwig and his wife, uh, who got married right around the summertime, and they be they had their wedding to s and became a celebration of Oktoberfest, the celebration of the harvest and everything like that. So oh, they cool. would brew the beers in the spring. Because they would use up the ingredients from the winter, the last of the ingredients, and then they brew it in the spring and store it in the caves in the in the in March, which is how you get into Marzen. Mm -hmm. And they would store it in the caves, cold storage in the caves in the mountains, and bring it out in the spring in the uh, end of the summer and celebrate. So, so Marzen is March in in, yes. in German. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know if it's exactly March, but that's where the name that's comes from. It, okay. Yeah. Nice. So. And um, so what happens, how do you, do you have to keep the, the beer in like barrels? Like, is it like wine? Can it age? Like, how does that work? Well, I mean, back in the 1500s and stuff, they were using wooden barrels. So um, nowadays we use stainless steel. And it was the difference. Uh, well, the wood will impart flavor. Mm. So we'll get into some of that when we taste this beer a little later. What's, what's that? So that's uh, the stout. It's a barrel-aged stout, so it was aged in bourbon barrels. Oh. So it's got a bourbon-y flavor as and some tannins from the wood and things like that. So okay. Vanilla, oaky, kind of. You'll see all those nuances come out of that beer. So how do you give how do you give the beer the its its flavor? Like how does that work? 
<laughs> That's a pretty broad <laughs> question right there. <laughs> How does beer get flavor? <laughs> Well, you see, please, Oliver. Please explain it to me like I'm, a, like I'm an idiot. <laughs> you take this water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, there's four ingredients in beer, right? You know what the what those are? No. I have no idea. No. Okay, so. I just like to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> there's four basic ingredients. There's a lot more ingredients that people use these days. But the four basic ingredients, as established by the Reinschkebot from Germany, okay. are uh, malted grain. Wait, are you? Are you? Um, do you have to follow that? Like, how, what's the? We don't have to follow that. In Germany, they follow that. Okay. Yeah, the Germans didn't consider any other ingredient being added to beer other than these. It was actually three at the time. And then what? What were they? So the malted malted grain, um, hops, and water were the three. Oh, okay. Okay, but they didn't know what actually made the beer back then because they didn't have microscopes when they first, you know, made this law. So yeah. yeast was unfamiliar to them. But they knew that if they put it in a barrel that had had beer in it before, that there would be yeast in there, and the yeast would make beer again. What's the yeast? Yeast is a unicellular organism that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that uh, eats sugar, and turns it into alcohol and CO two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how you get alcohol. So beer isn't beer until you get yeast in it, and yeast actually is what makes beer. Huh. We don't make beer. We make. Humans make wort, what's called wort. There's a lot of German words. <laughs> well, if it was invented there, I figured... <laughs> it wasn't... It, well, beer's been around since Mesopotamia. So, okay. you know, the orig- origins of beer go back that far. You know, it was probably from when uh, there was bread that got wet and then some yeast landed on it. Right. And it was in a container and fermented. And then they drank it and figured out that they could get drunk off of it. So... It was like, uh, how'd that happen? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I heard. I heard there was um, uh, when the because the the water they had trouble with um, with like the drinking water back then. So mm-hmm. they were they were uh, they were drinking mostly beer and wine. And then I heard that um, there was like a ergot in the wine. So like they were tripping balls. Like at some point <laughs> they were tripping balls with psychedelics and in yeah. their in their parties and. <laughs> I don't know too much about the tripping balls part, but I do know that that um, there's no mushroom in that one. That, that one of the reasons that beer became a very popular beverage because you know water was when you get to the 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 that history in time that time period in history, uh, water was very contaminated. Yeah, you know people were pooping in it, and, you know all the excrements and stuff that was causing all kinds of bacteria in the water. Um, beer, you boil. So you kill everything that goes into beer. The wort is boiled, and then it goes into a tank that's clean, and then you add yeast to it, and it ferments. So all that stuff is very sterile. That's one of the things that's, like, really, really important when we work in a brewery is that anything that we – once the be- the wort comes out of the, the kettle where it's 200 degrees and boiling, and we drop it down to fermentation temperature, everything has to be, like, perfectly clean. So we, we spent a lot of time cleaning equipment and cleaning the tanks and making sure they're sanitized and sterilized and everything else before we put anything into it. How do you make sure it's sterilized? Sanitizers. We use chemical sanitizers. Huh. So we use a lot of, not a lot of chemicals, but a decent amount of chemicals that clean these things and hmm. uh, make sure that there's no contaminations. And then there's no way to do it naturally? or Some of the stuff is kind of natural. You can find some, some stuff that's natural. Um, another way you could do it is to use steam. You can steam a tank, and the, the 300 degrees will kill just about anything. 
That's, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really hot. <laughs> There's a lot of steam in breweries, so because we use it, we use steam to boil stuff. Oh, so okay. We, we have boilers and that make steam, and then it heats the tanks, and the tanks heat up the liquid, and we get boiling stuff. How how long are, is is the beer staying in the tank? Depends on the beer. So uh, the fastest beer we make, we can do in about ten days. Um, What's what, what kind of beer can you do? Just a basic days? golden ale, a real simple. So beer. Budweiser type, uh, like the 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 Budweiser Bud Light, Coors Light type of beer. Probably like two weeks, two to three weeks. It depends okay. on how long they want. like with lagers. That Budweiser is a lager, so those are longer. Usually like six weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, fermentation for lagers is longer. Huh. Yeah. And just then, just the type of yeast that we use. Oh, there's multiple type of. Yeah, yeah. So beer is broken down into two categories, ales and lagers, two basic categories. So any kind of beer that you have, like a Marzen, is a lager, you know. A golden ale is a golden ale, obviously. An IPA is an ale. Okay. India pale ale, you know, that's made with ale yeast. Oh, that's why That's right. why in the movies they, uh, they, instead of referring to beer, they just they just said, uh, uh, let me get an ale. Uh, mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, ales were primarily uh, what Germany, uh, Germans discovered lager lagering and lager yeast. I mean, that's what they were doing in the caves that I was talking about earlier is lagering. It's called, uh, lagering means storing. So. Okay. Um, they, they developed this, they found this yeast that, you know, ha was happier at lower temperatures and happier to, you know, produce less kind of off, not off flavors, but less kind of esters and phenols and things like that during the fermentation process. Mm, okay. So, there's all kinds of things. Like I said earlier that yeast produces alcohol and CO2. Yeah. Um, but there's all kinds of other things that yeast flavors that yeast. And you were asking where the flavor came from. I mean, yep. yeast will produce all kinds of different flavors um, if you ferment at different temperatures. So, you know. Oh, so temperatures have Temp an impact on... A hundred percent. And they can, and not only temperature, but different kinds of yeast will produce different flavors. So have you ever heard a Hefeweizen? No. Mm -mm. What's that? It's a German wheat beer. <laughs> no idea. We're learning that. so much right now. <laughs> <laughs> no idea where this comes. This is you could you could speak you could speak German right now, and then I yeah, would yeah. understand that. So that much. Uh, let's think of something else. Uh, so what? Have you ever had wheat beers before? You've had something wheat. You've had a blue moon. I think so. Yeah. Uh, blue moon. Yeah. So blue moon is a wit. That's a Belgian style wheat beer. Okay. So wits are typically uh, they have a little bit of a spicy phenolic flavor to them. Okay. So you'll get that little. Um, hint of spice, a little hint of like pepperiness to it, maybe some coriander or something like that. That'll come off from the from the yeast by itself. Huh. Yeah. So we just made a German Hefeweizen a couple months ago and the yeast in that particular instance produces uh, like a banana aroma and a, almost like a bubblegum aroma at times. Really? Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> So um, it's really great. The beer is awesome, but because um, every every beer that I that I tasted from you, um, they, they, they tasted amazing. Thanks. Yeah, they, they, well, it tasted amazing. So <laughs> when I when I came when I came to see you the other day, I I just noticed your your shop because I was I was going I was just passed by and I was like oh shit that's interesting and then I I decided to stop and uh, and then first first guys first guy I saw is you and then. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to you. And <laughs> so, okay, cool. And uh, and before I wanted to try the beer because if your beer sucked, I, you wouldn't be here. 
Well, I have a little experience. I've been around for a while. So how long? Uh, how long have you been open? Uh, we've been open uh, at the brewery for almost six years, five and a half years. Nice. Okay. But I've been making my own beer for twenty plus years. Oh yeah. So how how did that start? Uh, started in at home <laughs> in college. <laughs> making no your own beer. Yeah, home brewing. Started as a home brewer. You know, pretty simple process. I mean, you anybody. I'll tell you this: anybody can make beer. Okay. Okay. Not everybody can make good beer. <laughs> <laughs> so there are techniques and things that you learn as a when you're first starting out that improve your beer every time you brew and learn. You know, maybe you start out and you make a really good beer the first time. Sometimes that's lucky. You know, sometimes you have the right conditions, the right the right things, the right mix of ingredients, and everything works out well, and you brew the great beer. Of course, the first beer you make ever is the best beer you ever made because it's your first beer. That's true. You know, so. Um, but over time, you learn techniques, and you learn you learn all these scientific things that I'm talking about today, right now, that teach you how to make beer better. So is that is that a, a popular thing? Um, Home brewing, yeah, very popular. How uh, what's can you can you Google um, how many uh, what part of population makes beer at home? I'm curious. I'm curious about knowing that. I couldn't tell you, but there's a pretty large association. The American Homebrewers Association is a pretty large group. Huh. Yeah. How do and most of the people that so are in professionally in this business that now, craft brewers particularly, started as homebrewers. Really? Yeah. Most of us did. So yeah. it's like uh, you start you start start uh, as a hobby as yeah. a hobby, and then you become a, you become a pro. Yeah. Kind you start of as pro. a hobby, and if you you know people like your product and people dig it, and you come up with some good flavors, then you take it to the next level. And some people start, you know, really small, you know, with five gallon batches or smaller, and then they graduate to ten gallons and twenty gallons, and the next thing you know, some they gotta get some buddies over to drink. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, help me finish all this. Because <laughs> you know, when you start making a lot of beer, you're it, a good friend to have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Is that is that how uh, is that how you start you started um, in in college? Like, is that um, is that how uh, you know you would you would invite uh, some friends and you or or you were well we of course had a bunch of friends in college so <laughs> that would come over and drink our so beer parties yeah. parties were at your place yeah yeah always <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah we had a good house on campus so it was a lot of fun <laughs> where did you go to college uh, University of Florida okay Gainesville yeah nice yeah. What, great uh, school yeah. thanks number one uh, public yeah. university now I don't think I could get in now <laughs> truthfully why not it's harder. It, it made it really hard to get in there. Really? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing college. Yeah, it's turned into a, like a top, it's a top college. I mean, they just rated it number one public university in the country. That's the um, uh, Seminole play there for football. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 Gators. Gators. Oh, well, fuck the Gators. Okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, earlier, too, this perfect time, the American Homebrewers Association, there are approximately 1.1 million dedicated homebrewers in the U.S. Oh. A lot more than we thought. Okay. Well, I didn't think, I didn't but, know, so. Yeah, me neither. It's, it's a, like a, a big book club. Kind of. Kind of, sort of. I mean, we just make. Do you have conventions? You just have a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> book clubs, too. <laughs> a bunch of drugs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but is there is there a convention for for things like that or no? 
Yeah, absolutely. They just had a big uh, American homebrewer. They have a competition um, for homebrewers across the country. You can look it up, that up on the Homebrewers Association. The competition There's for homebrewer. Yeah. Um, who, who who won? Uh, do you like? Do you, are I, you aware? Off the top of my head, I read it, but I can't recall off the top of my head. And then, uh, what what kind of what kind of uh, how, how do you rate like a beer? Like how do you how can you how can you know? Like isn't isn't it so, a taste? So so there's actually every style of beer has guidelines. Oh, okay. How does that work? They are, are established by by people who judge beers or people that scientifically establish what the style is. I mean, they'll tell you, you know, this beer is supposed to have this color. It's supposed to be between here and here. It's supposed to have this much alcohol between this and this. It's supposed to have this many bittering units between this and this. Uh, it's supposed to have a bready flavor, no hints of diacetyl or something like that, or, you know, all kinds of technical details about what the beer is supposed to taste like. And that's what how you enter that beer into a judging competition. And then, okay. then when you enter your beer, there are certified judges that have gone through judging certification programs that sit there and judge your beer against other beers. How did that come up? Like the the characteristic of a beer, it was a... Did, did it come up with uh, when when people were like in bars and they were arguing over what what kind is better? Well, like, I think I think you just had, you know, we've we've been making beer for a thousand years. Okay, mm-hmm. one of the oldest breweries in 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 the world is uh, Weinstephan, which is in Germany. Uh, it was founded in 1050 AD, so it's coming up on a thousand oh. years old. It's also where all the German brewmasters are trained. So that's well, where I they go they for their school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. You know, all these different styles that we talk about have to, somebody has to say this is a particular style. Like an IPA is an IPA. Why? Why is an IPA an IPA? Because it's got bitterness. It's hoppy. It's got certain characteristics in color. Um, certain, it's using ale yeast that are going to turn off different flavors from the, from the yeast. So you categorize it as an IPA. Now there's all kinds of different IPAs and they'll break it down based on characteristics of that particular beer. So they want to, give you a box to live in basically as far as huh. what your beer is supposed to be and, and um because i i like ipas but um i i don't i never know what what what's do you like, like a west coast ipas or do you I like new england the, ipas i don't know what what the um, what the difference you is. like a double ipa or a triple ipa well i was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait what's your favorite you know i'm I like all kinds of different beer, and generally it depends on what I'm in the mood for. So, you know, but I do find myself tending more towards lagers lately just because I like something a little smoother and easier to drink, and I can have a few of without getting, like, crazy hops across my palate. But I definitely love a good IPA. I definitely love a good stout. Um, Like this one. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm curious about this one. Yeah, well, that's 12%. 12 percent it's pretty high up there so it's, <laughs> it's a big boy it's a big boy stout <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's got a lot of flavor um we'll get there in a few minutes <laughs> enjoy the first one yeah. so do you enter um i have so many questions do you enter these uh into any competitions what you're yeah. creating yeah we do um there's a competition in florida um called the that's put on by the florida uh the best in florida beer competition So we won a bunch of medals in that competition. Um, Some of the bigger ones in the United States are the Great American Beer Festival competition that just happened recently. Um, We entered some beers and that didn't win anything. Um, 
And then the World Beer Cup is another big one that's, that happens, and that happens every other uh, conference. Is that held in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah, that one's held in the U.S. There's some international ones. There's, there are all kinds of competitions all across sure. the country, across the world, excuse me, um, that people enter beers in, you know, and to see that get judged and stuff like that. And then there's magazines that rate beers, and, you know, there's apps that rate beers that, that regular people rate the beers. I mean, it's all kinds of, you know, judging <laughs> of product <laughs> all over the place. What's your best selling at uh, Tarpon River? So uh, Honey Love, which is our um, Imperial Imperial Honey Cream Ale, yeah, is, this one is delicious. Is is it's really good, yeah. it's really our best selling uh, packaged beer. Um, when when you talk about draft, it would be our deflated New England IPA is our best selling draft beer. So I think that's the last one that I had the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's delicious. It's very good. It's it's very very good. Yeah. So Honey Love is just it's like this super smooth. It's got this. We use orange blossom honey. We use a lot of honey in this beer, and uh, local honey. Or yeah, West Palm Beach. Yeah, um, what's the what's the um, company we get from? It's McCoy's Honey. So if you ever see the bears at Publix, or yeah, that's yep. the company we use. Um, I don't know how much honey they get, but they get lots of. They, I order like three hundred pounds at a time. No, <laughs> six hundred pounds at a time. Um, You're a good customer for them. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> no, I am. They <laughs> <laughs> see them too often. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's it's very light, but it's got this nice sweet honey flavor to it on the back end, and then it's got a nice orange blossomy kind of aroma, honey aroma as well. It's super light tasting, and it goes down really smooth. It's nine and a half percent. Nine, yeah, so, it's one. <laughs> I had so, a couple with dangerous. Yeah. Today and it was it's dangerous. really dangerous. They're really dan- they can be very, very, very dangerous beers. It will. The, fir- the first one is easy, but the second one, you're like, ooh, okay. The first time we canned it, we put it in 16 ounce cans, and that was a big mistake because <laughs> we had two 16 ounce cans, and it was too much for them. So, what goes into? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about flavor, but what goes into creating? A new one. How do you determine what you want it to, to eventually be or the size? Like, it's a lot of like? experimentation, really. I mean, you have an I, I mean, after doing it for so long, you have an idea of what your characteristics you want to get out. And, you know, we do we do have some software that helps us design beers. But you have oh, there's to, software. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, there's definitely software. With AI? What, uh, they're actually, I was just at a conference and they had some AI software that they were pitching <laughs> to design beers. So it was kind of weird. This is, this is either going to be the end of us or the best tool since electricity. It's, it's, I, I see it one of the two. Yeah. It's either we can't do anything no more because, you know, AI is going to do everything or um, productivity is going to explode because we can do so much more task. Um, either... AI is going to help us or it's going to kill us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much in between, <laughs> unfortunately. Hopefully we don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's there's um, there's a lot of ingredients out there that you can use. Um, lots of supply of different types of ingredients. So it's it can be challenging to kind of know the ingredients, but you kind of pick and choose suppliers who you're using, what you can get. And then you kind of have an idea of what you what your target is and color, taste, flavor, and you try and dial in a recipe that works and that fits what you're trying to do. But there's so much variety in ingredients these days. I mean, the hop, 
just the hop market itself has exploded over the year because they're doing all these crossbreeding of hops and there's just so many different varieties now that produce different flavors and different aromas and it's just it's it's really very interesting and there's a ton of science behind it too Hmm. Just there's universities that are studying all these different That's things. That's what I was going to yeah, ask yeah. is how does the crossbreeding work and like the, the oh, science yeah. behind it? Oh, yeah, USDA is behind some of it, you know, and, and they do a lot of the crossbreeding. And then there's a lot of hop farms that are trying different crossbreeding things and trying to develop new hops and different flavors that come out of these different hops and different techniques. And, you know, the other part of it, too, is you can use these hops at different periods of time you know whether you put it in the boil you put it in the fermentation you put it in the end of the fermentation the aging you know it just depends how you add it when you add it what you're going to pronounce out of the hops it's going to react with different yeast and then that's going to create different beer yeah completely different yeah it's it's amazing infinite combinations infinite combinations that's why people are like what if somebody steals your recipe it's like why would they want to steal my recipe (laughs) make up their own you know (laughs) And there's a million different ways to make this stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I, I love my recipes, but nobody wants to, you know, they're just going to brew their own, yeah. <laughs> you know, come up with their own their own style and their own recipe. Nobody wants to brew it exactly the same as somebody else. Well, no, because, why, why, you know, why, why would you want to get a copy if you want to, if you can get the original? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so, there's so much going on. And, and then now the whole beer world is kind of the craft beer world, I should say, not the whole beer world. Um, local craft brewers in particular have started putting all kinds of things into the beer. So it started with fruits, you know, like purees and things like that. We make a, we make a beer called prickly pear zinger. It's a sour beer. You guys familiar with sour beers and all? So that's a, that's an even stranger offshoot. And we can go into the history of that. That's a, yeah, I'd love to hear that. Please go left. Head left. (laughs) So if you go back into into the history of of beer, uh, there's periods of time where lactobacillus, which is a bacteria commonly found in milk and things like that, um, yogurt, okay, uh, got into the beer. And huh. what the lactobacillus did was it it created lactic acid. Okay, lactic acid is very like a very like it's a mild acid. It's very easy to kind of taste and it doesn't like hit you with this like punch you in the face kind of thing and it got into beer and they developed that sour beer thing started the beer got sour from that so a lot of people would dump that kind of beer back in the day um in belgium because um, it was sour yeah because it was sour it was not something they really appreciated at the time um pussies so uh, in Belgium, though, um, I don't know how it all started in Belgium, but it goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, what the, w- Part of their process was to take the beer um, out of the boil, and then they would put it in what's called a cool ship. And a cool ship is a very shallow vessel, and that would allow, because you can't add yeast to the beer um, when it's hot, because it just doesn't, it'll kill the yeast, and you won't have any fermentation. So they put in these big, giant cool ships, and they would open the windows, and yeast would float in over, over the air and into the, the tank. As it would cool off, they would inoculate the beer, and then the fermentation process would start. So maybe maybe it's going to be done. But how, what does the yeast look like when you add like when you add it? Is it a liquid? Is it a yeah? Like powder? Well, there's there's two kinds. There's 
that we use, we can get it in liquid form and we can get it in powder form. There's oh, dry, shit. There's that was, dry, that was spot on. Yeah, there's dry. <laughs> there's dry. There's the dry form. They, they kind of dry it out and then keep it and then store it in like a vacuum package. Okay. Or you can order yeast from a yeast lab and it comes in kind of a liquid form. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's very similar to what you would find in like a bread, you know. It's just particular strain of yeast that's made for making alcohol. Huh. So, and then the the different kind are going to react differently, and it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to be different for the beer. Yep. Huh. Yep. And there's again when we get like just like hops, there's probably a couple hundred different types of yeast out there, at least in the ale and lager categories. Really? So getting back to the sour beer thing, yes. so they would inoculate the beer. And other stuff would come in and inoculate it. Lactobacillus, Brettanomyces, Pediococcus. What's that? Um, different, uh, different lacto bacteria. and PDO are bacteria, and Brettanomyces is another type of yeast. Okay. And those would impart, like, really funky, sour flavors to the beer. So in Belgium, they develop this whole wild ale kind of thing. So there's some breweries that are very famous for that, Cantillon and some of the other uh, breweries, Timmermans and things like that, that are in Belgium that are very famous for these wild yeasts that are sour beers, but they're funky, farmhousey kind of all these flavors that come off the yeast, and it's very unique styles of beer. And brewers in the United States play with this stuff, but they don't necessarily can't just open their windows. I mean, these breweries are hundreds of years old, and they, the natural environment that they are in has this stuff floating in the, over the air. Some breweries in the United States actually do it, so maybe so so it's kind of like um, where it's kind of like with wine where the where it is has a big impact on on the taste at the end, no? Uh, in Belgium, yeah, for particular styles, not primarily for beers like this. I mean, you don't you you can brew this style anywhere, but for when it comes to those types of beers, it's difficult to brew. But there are brewers that can do it, that kind of stuff. They just use these different types of yeast that they get from labs and inoculate their beer that way. As opposed to just opening windows. So when you say inoculate <laughs> the beer, what does that mean? Putting the yeast in the beer, basically. Oh, okay. You're, you're getting that yeast or that so you're bacteria. Like blessing the whole thing. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 just basically, it's basically, you know, uh, you know, just getting the yeast into the these living organisms into the beer to per, to do their magic. Is their, there ma- their magic? Is there a prayer? <laughs> is there uh, some sort of like <laughs> prayer when you do it? We we pray every time. We make beer. <laughs> Please get us fucked up. Uh, there's, there's a period of time when you after you put the yeast in the beer after you finish your whole brew day you brewed for six seven eight ten twelve hours whatever it is that you're brewing and you put your you move everything into the tank and you add your yeast to it and then there's this time period like between when you finished and when you come in the next morning and you're like hoping that things are starting to go <laughs> because when it starts to go, the yeast kicks off CO2. So you see, we've got a hose that goes down to a bucket and you see the CO2 starting to pump out and you're always like, Oh, it started. Hey, <laughs> it's oh. like a science experiment every single time, every time, every time. Yeah. Wow. And sometimes it doesn't go, doesn't go right. You know, sometimes it goes sideways. What can go wrong? Oh, the yeast could be old and tired. Um, a lot of times we'll pitch yeast from one batch to the next. We'll reuse, and it can be old and tired. Um, oh, so you can reuse. You the can yeast. get off flavors. The temperature could go wrong. We've had that happen before, where our tank, for some reason, dropped to a really cold temperature. So the yeast was, you know, not going to ferment at that temperature. Um, you could have too hot a temperature, and it could go go sideways from there. You know, all kinds of things can go wrong. Huh. <laughs> and then how? What kind of um, what kind of percentage of uh, 
of brew that that goes wrong? Like, is there, is this like? Uh, I'm sure you calculated all of that. To like, like more like your product loss in a way. Yeah, kind of. Well, there's always there's product loss all the time because every time we move beer, we lose product along the way. But that in terms of actually losing product, uh, I think we've dropped in five and a half years probably three or four batches of beer down the drain. Oh, it's not, not that many. Bad. It's not that many. No, it hasn't been that many. You have more, uh, more. Your guys are taking. Uh, a yeah, they're doing sips. a good job. <laughs> for, the most, for the most part, they're doing a good job. <laughs> all of the, all yeah. of the losing of the beers. You uh. guys taking a few sips of <laughs> in between batches. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to taste the product while you go. Yeah. So after every science experiment, I guess. Do yeah, you, no, yeah. You guys are around, like just trying it and, and telling yeah, each other what you think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're testing it. We you taste it along the way. I mean, you don't just. It's like a chef. I, I always say my one of my favorite things to say is that being a brewer is part being a microbiologist and part be and a chemist and part being a chef. Okay, because you have to understand flavor, you have to understand cooking and how to make things taste a certain way, but you also have to understand the microbiology and the science behind it, mm-hmm. and then bring the two together. What did you study? Engineering. It's huh. oh, funny. <laughs> I was about right. to ask that as well. <laughs> Yeah, so, huh, okay. so it's a little <laughs> bit of both, and that's the beauty. It's there. There's art to it, and there's science to it, and you got to have both. It's cool when you have both. Yeah, it's it's challenging, and it's a challenging thing. You got to understand how they both work. What's know? the biggest challenge when you started? <sighs> well, I started in Florida, so Florida wasn't a very big beer. It's a big beer drinking state, but they're not into. They weren't into as much of the styles that I was into when I moved way out of town. I got into more different styles of beer. Like and what? IPAs and, and stouts and things like that, stuff that you weren't finding, Belgian beers. So Florida had some really backwards laws back in the day. Um, when I first, I grew up here, moved away to go to school, moved away for a job for a few years, and then came back. And when I moved out of state, I realized that there's a whole beer world out there that we weren't really exposed to in Florida because there was antiquated beer laws here that limited what kind of beers we were getting in the state. So, and this dates back to the 60s and 70s. How so? With the uh, coming uh, from the Prohibition era or? Sort of. Um, it came from, it actually came from a, a what I my understanding of is that it came from a, a battle that Miller and Budweiser had with the state legislators. Really? <laughs> yeah. So Can you tell us more? <laughs> yeah. So, the, so, so uh, state legislature, Anheuser-Busch and Miller were both talking about building a brewery in Florida. And Anheuser-Busch went and built a brewery in Florida, and Miller did not. And so Anheuser-Busch got the state legislature to pass a law that said you can only get beer in 8, 12, 16, and 32-ounce bottles. That was their size. That was those sizes. <laughs> Miller had a seven ounce bottle. Kept the Miller. Clever. Of course. Yeah. But now, 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 if if you have any concept of beer sizes, beer bottle sizes, you'll know that most Europeans don't come in any of those. Sizes. They come in milliliters and liters. So you talk in a whole different measuring system. So yeah, typically, ounces and a three hundred and thirty milliliter bottle in Europe is eleven point two ounces. A 750 milliliter bottle is 25.4 ounces. Not legal in Florida. So for all those years, none of those beers could come into the state that would expose any of the beer drinkers that lived here to those styles 
that were coming from all across the country. Now, places like California that were getting those beer styles were like, oh, these are really good. I'd like to <laughs> brew something like this. So they had homebrewers that were trying to brew beers like that, and then you have the, the market growing and people exposed to it and people growing it. And so we're 10 to 20 years behind the curve. We've always been. And when I first started back in the state, moved back here, was homebrewing, started my own brewing business. Um, just people didn't even understand what craft beer was. I mean, it was just micro beer beer, and it was just the stuff that wouldn't sell, and nobody knew what it was. And so it was that was the most challenging part, you know, was getting people exposed to the different styles, was actually, educating public about you know what beer is supposed to taste like, as opposed to this fizzy yellow liquid that everybody was drinking in the state of Florida. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, okay, nice. Uh, so back backwards law. Uh, a lot of backwards laws here <laughs> when it comes to the beer industry. It's crazy how uh, some stupid shit that we did before like can impact us for so many years after. Like nobody's probably even aware of those laws that are prohibiting uh, some of the stuff that we have to do. Like why? Why is there? Isn't there a, a, a mechanism that every time we have some new laws or every few years we have to review the whole rule book and kind of like get rid of the no. uh, thing that we don't use no, anymore. every year you have to go to Tallahassee and argue like, with legislators about changing the law to make something work better. Trust me, I know <laughs> I'm the legislative chair for the Florida Brewers Guild. Really? So yeah. <laughs> I spent, oh, cool. Yeah, I spent a lot of time going, I've spent the last couple of years going up to Tallahassee to talk to legislators about changing stuff around here. So what, what are you? Oh, go ahead. What are you working for? Or, uh, work, what are you so working on right the biggest now? the biggest problem that we're facing as an industry in Florida, we have over four hundred breweries in the state of Florida right now. Okay. Okay. But you have a handful of distributors. Okay. Okay. And in the state of Florida, we have a strict three tier system. So that means you manufacturer has to sell to the distributor, has to sell to the retailer. In other words, you've been to my brewery. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Fitz down the street? No. Okay, there's a bar down the street called The Fitz. Okay. I cannot sell a beer out of my brewery to The Fitz. Can I sell a beer to The Fitz? Maybe we can work something <laughs> out. <laughs> go, get a, go get a distribution license. We can talk. <laughs> so you have to, I have to sell my beer to a distributor in order for it to be brought to the distributor's warehouse and then brought to The Fitz. That's so even crazy. if the, he's right there, I can't bring it there. Okay. That's the way it works. So one of the things we're fighting for is self, the ability to self-distribute, which means that we'll be able to do something like that, okay? Um, I like my distributors. I have a, two distributors that I work with. I do, they do a good job. I don't really want to distribute. I've been a distributor. I owned a distributorship. It's a very challenging business also, and I don't want to do that. I have other things. I'm busy making beer. Yeah. So, but there are breweries out there that want to be able to do that. And it would be nice if I could, even with having a distributor, be able to, hey, Friday night, I just ran out of, blew a keg of beer. I'm right down the street. Can I come get a keg? Yes, you can come get a keg. And I don't have to go through my distributor who closed three hours ago, you know? Right. So, so let's say I want to buy a keg of beer. Can I do that? So you can do that as an individual through my tasting room. So okay. I can retail it to you, but you don't have a beer license. You don't no. have a license to sell beer. So that's legal. Okay, so you can so you, sell it directly consumer. to consumer. You're just I can sell directly to you, but I can't sell it directly to a bar that has a license. Oh, that's stupid. Yep. 
Well, everybody wants their taxes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of taxes built into this thing, too. It adds it, it add huh. a lot of cost. Like, all of the red tape that we, ha- that we have adds so much, so much cost that we don't see on, on, on everything. So let me give you the worst-case scenario of this, of this thing. The worst-case scenario is <laughs> you are a brewer in Key West. Oh, fuck. That must be <laughs> horrible. Okay. There are no distributors in Key West. Guess, guess why? Not, why would you want to have a distributor in Key West? Well, it's so fucking far. So you have to drive. Your your beer has to drive all the way from Key West all the way up to Miami to sit in the warehouse, then get delivered all the way back to Key West to go across the street. Oh, cool. Yay. Is there really brewer that's, in Key that's West? That's really environmentally friendly. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, how is it going as far as like trying to win this? Uh, it's a challenge. Anything you have to do in legislature is a challenge. I mean, and we're fighting against distributors. Distributors don't want to change the way we do business in the state. They, they like their business. They have a business. They have a business they have to defend, and you know they want to do their business. Yeah, of course they're going to fight for but it. I, and I think, trust me, I, I don't hate distributors. I like my distributor. I want my distributor to be healthy and help me grow my business. So I'm not fighting against distributors. I'm just saying there there should be other options and other ways to do it. You know. It sh- so you're saying it should be freer? A little bit freer, yeah. We have a website called uh, freedomforbeer.com. So check that out sometime. It's got a lot of stuff. The other thing is, too, that's this is this is even worse than what I just described to you. <laughs> so... Um, the state of Florida in the beer industry alone, not in wine, not in liquor, there's a thing called franchise law. And franchise law protects the distributors from losing brands of beer. So basically, you write a contract, you sign with a distributor, you sign a contract um, with them, you put all this stuff into it, and hey, we have to do this, we have to do that, you are, you're going to be held to this if there's ever a problem, blah, 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 if you do this just like any other contract and any other business agreement. Right. And then you can, if you have a business agreement with somebody, you have a contract with them, you go by what's in the contract, right? Not in the state of Florida. state of Florida says you're subject to franchise law. You can't get out of that contract if you wanted to because you are stuck and they can do whatever they want to. And it's, you're held to that level of standard, not only for your lifetime, but for everybody else's lifetime too. The distributor can sell your brand to another distributor without your consent. What? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. How does that work? Because the state of Florida has this thing called franchise law that protects them. Well, Ron, so, let's fucking figure so that out. I mean, it should be too hard. So we can talk about a little bit about the history of that. And the history of that is that back in the, in the I believe it was in the 80s when this franchise law first started was that you had Anheuser-Busch distributors and Miller distributors, right? And particularly in the state, like I was saying earlier, there wasn't a lot of other brands out there. Yeah. So Anheuser-Busch distributors were selling 99% Anheuser-Busch product, right? And Miller distributors were selling 99% Miller product. Of course. Right? So they wanted to protect themselves from losing those brands. Of course. Okay. So the idea was that they would create a law that protected themselves from a brand from those brands walking away and ruining their business. Of course, totally makes sense. Back I mean, then. if you're in from business in that situation, yeah, hundred percent makes sense. But now you come, you know, to 2023, and you have Anheuser Busch, and you have Miller, and you have Guinness, and you have Bass, and you have you know Corona, and you have all these other brands, Coors Light, and and God knows how many other small brands and small breweries like myself that 
are representing part of their business. Well, we're held to the same standard that Anheuser-Busch or Miller is held to because they represent so much business. Even if I sell one one hundredth or one one thousandth of the beer to that distributor, I'm still held to the same standard that they're held to in terms of leaving that distributorship. That's crazy, this this one size fits all yeah. um mentality. And because yeah. I understand I understand the, the, the argument back then when they tried to figure oh, that 100%. out. Because if, if you if you only distribute that beer and then they leave, then you're fucked. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and we're not and and there's a person who again, going back to say, I'm not trying to destroy somebody's business. We're not trying to destroy your business, but it's also doesn't make sense for you to hold us to the same standard that you hold your your major business to when we only represent a little trinket in your in your portfolio, you know. So it's not the same. Not one size fits all as you'd like to say. So hmm. you know it's 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 an interesting battle we're having. <laughs> how did you uh how did you start the brewery? How the because um, you said you, 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 you did that in your in your dorm at first. Well The not in my dorm. It was in my. Yeah. I, I was a little older at that point. I had to be drinking age. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I started. I got a job working professionally as a brewer um, for a, a chain of brew pub restaurants, and then I wanted to start my own brewery. But we realized that distribution was, as I just outlined to you, very screwed up, and we would go quickly out of business. Um, You know, you, you buy all this stainless steel and all this equipment and you spend all this money building infrastructure. And at the time, you couldn't have tasting rooms even. I mean, the tasting room you go to in our brewery was not legal. That only changed in 2009. Hmm. So um, there there was a law that was created that everybody in in my side of the business was, was taking advantage of that was created by Anheuser-Busch. So they had Bush Gardens and they wanted to be able to sell beer at Bush Gardens to consumers. So they said if you were a tourist attraction, <laughs> you could sell beer to, directly to consumers in your, <laughs> at your brewery. So uh, nobody else uh, ever went and tried to test that law till Cigar City came along and they, you know, proved to the state that they were a tourist attraction, that beer tourism was a real thing. People would come to their brewery as a tourist attraction and they could sell beer directly to them. And then they built that brand from, from that start there. Hmm. Um, I forgot where I was going. Um, uh, from the dorm. Oh, so yeah, the from the dorm. So uh, I, I wanted to start my own brewery and realized we could invest a lot of money in the equipment and all that stuff, but we weren't going to be very successful. And we were watching some of the breweries that did open up really have a challenging time with their distributors at the time. Um, the distributors just didn't get the idea of, you know, hand-selling craft beers and things like that. And... So what we did was we opened a distributor. So I opened a distributor. Oh. And it was called Fresh Beer. Um, and I then went to a brewery and had them make my beer for me, gave them my recipe, brewed it with them, everything like that, and then bought it from them as a distributor, as the middle tier, bought it for them, and then was able to go out and, and sell it to bars and restaurants. Well, lo and behold, there were a lot of other small guys out there that, had the same, same trouble. Idea. Well, no, they had the same trouble coming into the state of Florida. They wanted their beer in the state of Florida because we were a huge beer drinking state, but they couldn't find a distributor because the big distributors had no interest in, in these brands. They just didn't get it. They didn't believe in it. They didn't see the future of craft beer. And what I had seen it and saw, you know, wanted to 
jump in on this, you know, this idea of brewing our own beer. I was already brewing at home. And so I started meeting other people that wanted me to carry their brands because I had a distribution license. (laughs) And so I started carrying all kinds of different brands from all across the country. And from 1999 to 2009, my little company grew to be 25 people with trucks and vans and deliveries and accounts and everything else. And then suddenly they woke up, the big giant guys woke up and they were like, wait a second. Who's this little guy with all these great brands that I keep hearing about that are selling all over the country and it's exploding and, you know, and, and what is going on? (laughs) So they all came and, you know, we wound up selling our, selling the distributorship in order to then turn around and open up our own brewery so that we can then sell to them. Nice. So I sold my company, went to work for them for a few years. They took all my employees in and we helped sell, grow their company for five years and then. They recently sold all their company off uh, to the big distributor down in Miami. So it's been uh, interesting watching all the Monopoly pieces move from place to place. Yeah, it's it's wild to see like so many things like come in coming along and and getting to where where we are right now. It's it's it, yeah. It, it's kind it's kind of the the main thing since we 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 started to talk. It's there's a lot of things that you know came uh, came together to. To get to get you to to Tarpon River right now, absolutely yeah. It's, it's been a wild ride. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been a wild ride. And now, I mean, there's just you know, there's a lot of breweries and there's a lot of competition and a lot of things. But you know, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, there's been a lot of closings too recently. So, what part of the of the market um, does uh, microbrewery? Um, have like uh, how is that is share that what do you mean share of market yeah yeah market share or something like that uh I, I don't know if i could put a number on it right now but it's less probably less than 10 percent of the market i would guess so there's so, the, so then there's still a lot of room to, to grow kind of yeah definitely huh. i mean when i first started it was like one percent <laughs> oh well, <laughs> maybe even yeah. smaller huh you know back 20 20 something years ago it was like teeny People didn't even know what crap. Like I said, imports were big here. Yeah. It was the imports that were doing well here. Yeah. And they still do very well. I mean, a lot of the imports do very well here, especially Latin American imports do very well. well yeah. So. Yep. Modelo's, Corona's. Uh, well, Corona's its own little beast. I mean, Modelo has become the number one brand in the country. I know, because Bud Light uh, screwed up. Yeah, they, big time. <laughs> <laughs> big time. I just read a whole article about that when, last when night. When you have Kid Rock shooting your beer, <laughs> I mean, it's not a good... It was kinda, a good I read a fascinating story about that last night, because apparently Dylan Mulvaney, who created the whole hubbub about that, that yeah. brand, you know, that... that you know, put that ad out or whatever that they, he had done an ad six weeks before, before that ad that came out for Bud White for Bud Light, and no one even paid any attention to it at that point. And then all of a sudden, this la- that one ad comes out, and they people started freaking out across the country. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. It's it's very it's very funny how. You can be so oblivious to who drink your beer. Yeah, I mean, how 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 do you how can you know this this is going this is not gonna go get re- re- received well with your with your customer? How can you 
make something and then basically your marketing team says like oh every 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 one of our customers is, is an idiot kind of kind of i mean have you see have you seen that video of, uh, of um, the, the 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 girl that was in charge of the marketing i haven't seen the video about her i read i read a little bit about her last night i was reading an article about the whole it was like a timeline of everything and how they reacted who reacted who said what and everything like that and and what happened with the market and how the market changed and and like you said how they just didn't even know who their customer was but at the same token they didn't know who their customer was but also they're they've been doing lgbtq stuff for forever i mean 20 plus years it just always flew under the radar you know they've yeah. been buying ads and in gay magazines and sponsoring of gay lgbtq events and all that stuff it's just social media and internet just blew it up and and turned it into what it became and it just blew up in their faces it's okay to do it but w- the pr- the problem that i have is when you start to preach when you start to kind of like do it against um because because I mean, I mean, there's this this whole movement is a little bit um, in your face. So li- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, it's very much contrary to you know to to the 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 message when I grew up. Like it's it's very it's it's disturbing to see because I thought the idea was to not look at race and not care about what color you were and Absolutely. where you were from yeah, and sexual preference or anything they, like that. Yeah. I don't care who you fuck. Like one of my <laughs> one of you know it doesn't matter. Like yeah. why do you care? I don't know. <laughs> why 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 do you, why do you care that much about what's going on in in your in your bedroom in your private life? Like you don't have anything more to offer than who you're fucking what you what, what kind of things that you like to do in bed like your you don't have life should be your private life i mean that shouldn't have anything to do with me what's so care. hard about that like who who cares only if it affects me on the outside world and it doesn't affect me yeah <laughs> as long as you <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I don't care who you're sleeping with what do i care but that's so that's yeah. good cuz yeah. we used to care yeah and then now we uh, we came up to, to to a couple of years ago, and nobody cared anymore, seemingly. And then all of a sudden, it became the the whole thing. It became you know so many people's uh, whole identity who they're fucking. Like why why yeah. does that even matter? I don't know. I think it has to do. I mean, it's just the political spectrum that we're dealing. The political spectrum we're dealing with these days is so tilted, you know, to make that such an important thing, you know that. And maybe it's because they think you're gonna attack people's children with it or something, or you're gonna influence children to go in that direction. And they don't want their children influenced that way, or I don't know. Well, whatever you're saying, it's it's happening. Yeah. Have you seen the numbers of who's gay? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> pull up, uh, pull up the percentage of um, uh, who identify as LGBT per generation. This is wild. Yeah. Is yeah. It, uh, it's. Uh, if 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 has it cha- has it changed that dramatically? Has it changed? Let me ask you a question. Has it changed? Has it always been the same amount of people, or is it has it suddenly spiked up? Has it suddenly become this giant? All right, like, so we're gonna have this reaction <laughs> raw. Then okay. cool. All right, so because yeah. because um, with with the first one, it's like point four something percent, and then now all uh, 
Now Gen Z is like... In 2012, less than 6%. And in 2022, 10.5% of millennials. No, get it get it per generation. Um, uh, so, so it's gone up 4% in in less than 10 years. No, dude, you, you, <laughs> you have no idea. Because yeah. this thing, uh, when, you, when you factor generation, like who identify as gay or LGBT or whatever, it used to be like 0. 0.0 whatever. Um, and then now I think Gen Z is like over 21% identify as as LGBT. Well, the, the terms... Since Gen Z, it's, it's almost 20% in 2022. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So... It's gone up, I guess. It's got up. Yeah. It's, it's got way up. So I don't know what, what kind of what kind of numbers... They're putting something in the milk? I don't know. <laughs> They're putting gay yeast in the milk. <laughs> don't care right? you know they can do whatever they want to so it doesn't bother me i have so yeah, yeah it doesn't like it doesn't matter i have so many gay friends and uh, i don't care like I, it's just want people to be happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know whatever makes you happy you know, you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter you just i don't know why i don't know why we got so far um you know towards towards this um i don't i don't i don't know how it happens um it's 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 very weird how much we care, how much unfocused we are, because we have so many problems. We have so many, you know, just look at the homeless problem. Mm-hmm. It exploded in every city. Yeah. Has a lot to do with the economy, the economy and the, and the pay and, you know, what people are capable of making and uh, making a living wage. And, you know, can they, can you afford a place i mean it's gotten incredibly unaffordable to live in places these days that's true also also there's a big problem with mental health that we're not addressing no 100 percent. big drug problem mental health problem Um, i always look at homelessness in a little bit different of a light i always look at homelessnesses there's different groups that are homeless so you have the mental health people you have the people that, that there's definitely a segment of people that are mentally disabled in some way or another that are not capable of putting together a life that they can survive. Then you've got a different group. Those are the, that have been influenced by drugs. You know, you have that group that just, they're addicted. They can't get off of them, whether it's alcohol, it's, you know, cocaine, heroin, whatever it is, marijuana, whatever it is, there's that group, you know, and those people are just looking for the next high and they're just not getting out of it. I mean, they just can't get out of that their own way. I mean, we put a lot of effort into trying to get those people, but they seem to just keep coming. Um, and then there's people that are truly functional people that just haven't been able to make a living to give themselves a place to live because they just, it's gotten so unaffordable and the pay rates haven't gotten there. So you have, you have to look at it in a lot, three couple different lights. And there may even be a, you know, another group that I'm not even thinking about as part of that group, you know, I think there's plenty of people that are homeless that shouldn't be homeless. You know, they should yeah. be able to earn a living. They're totally mentally capable, totally mentally, you know, have a good work ethic and stuff like that. It's just the pay is just terrible. Well, there's some guys and the, that and are the cost is, is, is of living has gone so sky sky high for people. There's there's some guys that are hustling out there. They they are uh, at every corner. They're they they have this sign and. You know, they seems they you know they seems uh, good body. I don't know what's going on in yeah, their head. Always, it always makes me f- when I pull up and there's a homeless guy and he's got nice clothes on and he's in good shape. I'm like, 
Smo- smoking cell phones when there's no cars or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. why? Like, why are you on a corner? <laughs> Maybe they make more money that way. I don't know. It's possible. You know, I've done collections for charities on corners before, and you make quite a bit of change. <laughs> Can add up pretty quickly. It, it could, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I don't think. I think that the, you've got to. I think you've got to treat these segments differently, though. How so? So, like I said, there's three. To me, there's three groups. That there's those three groups. Maybe, and again, I don't know. Maybe there's some there's some in betweens, and there's some. Yeah, that we're are, talking out of her ass right now. Yeah, yeah totally. And <laughs> can you can you address the people that are just simply not capable of making a living to have living quarters and get themselves back on their feet to the point that they can earn enough of a living and have a place to live? Yeah, that's one group. Can you separate that group and treat them that way? Can you then? Have another group and treat them the drug ad- drug addiction people, treat them a different way. Can you can you put people on the street that can get them into rehab and get them on the street and get them into AA and get them into NA and stuff like well, that? Most and of treat them, them they don't even want and that. Then, they just want to well, get high. Well, they, they just want to get high. I mean, you can't break that chain sometimes. And then the third group, obviously, the mentally ill. That has to be. I mean, there there has to be like something that the government can do to kind of develop a mental health system that can bring these people in and start treating them. I mean, it used to be years ago that you had giant mental health hospitals. I don't know if those exist anymore. They don't. They don't. I was I talking to a cop, a uh, guy that we're going to have uh, we're gonna have on next week, actually. I was talking to him this a uh, couple of days ago to... Um, to get to know him a little bit better, and he he was he was he was telling me that was a that was a big 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 part of their day of the of the cops to handle all of those all of those person that used to be in mental institution and then now they're like drugged up they they have all of these problems they're on the street and then they're just dumped into into the police uh, into yeah. the police hands yeah, and that's and you're not dealing with that situation with the right people and I know in Oregon, I've seen stories about in Oregon, they're trying to, they've got like a mental health, like police squad in a, in a way. It's not police, but it's a mental health squad that gets called out in certain situations. Instead of calling the cops when somebody's having a mental breakdown and freaking out on the street, you call this group and they come out and they talk them down and they get them help, you know, as opposed to just throwing them in jail, which doesn't do any good. No. You know, and it, they just wind up back on the street crazy, <laughs> you know. That's the that's the frustrating part about all of this is I I feel like we kind of every time I see one I feel like we've kind of failed. We have. Especially when it comes to the people that are that are capable of working and earning a living. This is the most excruciating thing that I am I'm like, dude, what's what's going on? I remember when I was in college in 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 Ottawa. <laughs> I had this uh I was with my friend Kyle and we were out um, one night. We had this. Um, we had a student painting uh, franchise, um, and um, there was this guy. Uh, Two a.m. or whatever. He. Uh, we were going out of the bar, and then this guy came to talk to us. He was homeless, and uh, he asked us like he was like, "Oh, like uh, I'm gonna do five push up uh, or fifty push up for like five dollars or something like that or whatever." Mm-hmm. And then we had we needed some painters. We need some, and then you can do fifty push up for five bucks. All right. How about I give you uh, I give you some work? How about you, you you can paint? He was he was you know like six six one six two seems like in good shape, um, and uh, we we offered him a job on the spot, and then and then all of a sudden the guy was like, 
oh, well, you know, like I can't really work, da da da. <laughs> and then he was, <laughs> he, he was, he was, he was, he was willing to do fifty push up for five bucks, but then, but then ask you know, him to do a real job and he won't do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. I mean, we had, I've had homeless guys come in and do dishes at the brewery, you know, and ha- and nice people. I mean, just you know, show up on time for a couple days and do the job and. I can do this, and I can do it. give me something else to do. I'll do it. Blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're just gone, huh. just disappear. You don't know where they are because they never had a they didn't have a home, so you couldn't track them down at their house, and then have a you know they might have had a cell phone, but they're not going to pick it up, you know. So it's just a weird, you know. I I don't know if that person was just getting money to do drugs, you know, or what, but they, they seem honest and they seem like they're going to give a good effort and you, they do a good job for a short period of time, but then they just disappear and it's just, you know, but there's a lot of people that, you know, I don't know. There seems to be <laughs> these days a lot of people that don't want to work. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. really need, we're very unfocused. We really need to get our shit together because, <laughs> you know, like it's not going to end well. No, we we AI is gonna take over. <laughs> well, not even AI, man. I mean, I mean, look, it's it's, it's bring it full circle. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it might it might be it might be some because uh, we we think we're so advanced and so um, so cool and so like smart uh, compared to people before us, but I don't think we're that smart. I don't think I don't think we're we're very advanced um, in terms of like how society work and how aware we are um of of how it what it means to be to be uh, a person what it means to be a human um how we take care of of everyone how we take care of our elderly this is like dumping them in the home it's not very uh it's the old socialist argument you know socialism and democracy and that whole argument (laughs) What's, what's the argument? Well, I mean that you know we get that push from people that say we shouldn't be a socialist society. I mean, how do you take care of all these people that are have problems if you're not doing some level of socialism? You know, uh, socialism's got a really bad name these days. I disagree with you with passions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you come from Canada, yeah, and yeah. and that's a very socialist. Yeah, economy it's turning into shit right now. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> okay, it's very but I mean, bad. You, you had a good. There was a working for a while there, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, you, that's you have the good medical system. Well, that depends. Do you have time? Yeah. Do you have time? Because in Quebec, uh, the average average wait time to at the ER is like twenty something hours. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah, and uh, half of our tax dollar goes to finance this thing and. We have hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people that are waiting for surgery. Surgery, um, twenty plus hours wait time at, at the ER. Um, There's just a news yesterday that um, all of the hospital in Quebec except one is forecasting a deficit this year. Even though we gave more money now than ever to the healthcare system. Um, it's uh, all, all of the hospitals are basically um, very, very old, falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not good. No, it's, it's doesn't sound like it is. Not good at all. Yeah. Not good at all. Um, do you blame that on the system, or do you blame it on the leaders? On the system. On the system. On this. On the system. I don't think. I don't think it can work. I don't think something that is um, centralized. I don't think centralized centralization work. I never. It never does. I think you need. You need to be. You, you have to make. You have to take the decision closer 
closer to the customer, closer to the patient, um, clo- and then and then you know uh, institution hospitals they they have to be able to take care of you know um, how they're going to handle uh, their employees, who they're going to treat. Um, it has to they have to they have to be a little bit more flexible because when you centralize everything and you have this one size fits all we talked about this earlier with the beer it doesn't work right right it doesn't work and then the prob the, also the problem is is they have they have this budget this fixed budget at the at the beginning of the year right mm-hmm. and then they have to deal with the budget for the whole year mm-hmm. and then so how do you make sure that you have enough money at the end um at the end of the year when you have a fixed a fixed budget right then you need to you need to you have a budget fault shortfall or something well, yeah so you need you need to figure out all right so how many person a day can i can i can i have right and then so like at the end of the year you're going to have 0 dollars right yeah. and then and then you're going to you're going to go in the, into the next year so like that is why that is why every time there's socialism um, you have bread lines it's the same thing you control so when you, when you have fix a uh, fix a uh, fix uh, budget then the only way to control to control that to make sure that you have enough money and even though they even though they they, they do that they cannot they cannot figure it out is to, to to limit who has access to the system at first and then there's also all of the unions um, that are very very tight in in, in Quebec and Canada that, that makes you know managing employees almost impossible um, there's so many, so many things. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not like we have a very good system anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't, we didn't figure out healthcare anywhere. So there's pros and cons, but like everyone that says the Canadian system is perfect. It's not, it's oh, not I didn't say that. I mean, I'm not, it's not uh, even good. It's not even, yeah. you know, it's not, e- it's not even if, cause when you think about it, we have over 50 something percent that we need to pay in tax and then. You have a sales tax of fifteen percent. The, the 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 taxes over there is are, are, are literally high, crazy. Yeah. This yeah, is, yeah. is wild. Yeah, it's literally crazy. Right. It's it's worse than California. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, yeah, it's um not 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 great. Not it's, great. It's not a good system. Obviously, it's not working. But I don't know what system well, is. Well, I don't know. Like, there's some people that like it, but the the crazy thing is like. <laughs> Oh, oh, the the you know the the nurse the employees of the system they 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 they, they complain all the time about their boss about the government that they 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 they're ta- they're they're considered like numbers and they're not taken care of properly and I'd and, say the and same whatever. thing here though too I mean we just had just the what is it the one that went on strike yesterday um, out in the west uh, I can't think of the name of it it's a uh, big big healthcare company out in California and then Arizona and Colorado. They just went on strike. Kaiser? Yeah. Kaiser Permanente, yeah. Hmm. They went on strike yesterday because the unfair wages, exactly what you're saying. Exactly what you're saying. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> so, you know, what's, what's working? <laughs> yeah, so 75,000 uh, healthcare workers began a three-day strike after contract negotiations failed over wages and staffing shortages. There you go. Okay. So it's not working here either. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and then you go, you look at the, what we went through with the pandemic too, and the, the nurses that quit and just left and said, yeah, we're not doing this. And then, you know, they had to pay like extra money to, to have nurses and doctors and everything incentivize. else. Incentivize. Incentivize people to travel to different places to, to, to pay them to, to, to do all this work. 
that was going on just to keep us going at the time. I mean, it was such a mess. Yeah, because they put so much fear into into the, into our minds that you know they a lot of people freaked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, just I just think that there was so much pressure on the healthcare system that they, you know, these people were having to work excessive hours under extreme circumstances, you know, and they were very, un, you know, at the time there wasn't enough staffing, you know. I don't know how where we are in staffing now. I, it, a lot again, we get back to the question: Who wants to work? <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started recording, you said um, also something about like staffing and, and getting through COVID. And what is that like for your industry? Uh, it's well, hospitality has been one of the hardest industries just overall in terms of staffing, you know, um, whether it's working in the kitchen, which is, you know, it's not a glamorous job necessarily. Some of the we glamorize it in some level with with shows and TV shows and food cooking and stuff like that. But the typical kitchen is not a glamorous place to work and it's, it's a hot place and it's hard work and it, it's a lot of hours. Um, so you, there wasn't a lot of, there's not a lot of cooks and you, the, the salaries have gone up, the, the, you know, the hourly pay has gone up for all of them. It's cost us more money. Um, you know, kitchens, not only is it kitchens, but staffing of servers. I mean, a lot of people have left that industry. You know, we used to have, you know, people, whether it be students or just people that wanted to earn a, you know, earn a good living because they could, they could make cash, you know, on a nightly basis that was quick and, and they could earn a living that way. And it's just, you know, you have a lot of people that are professional servers that they just decided, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit that they weren't going to do that anymore. And they found other opportunities and, you know, started their own businesses or went into other businesses and, you know, the, the, the shortage of workers was pretty significant. So yeah. it's finally, I finally feel like we're starting to get to a point where that there are more people coming back into this industry. Um, so it's been a little bit better lately, but it's still hard and it's still hard to find people that are want to do the job because you, you get people that just want to sit on their phones and, you know, wait, you know, not pay attention to the customers and not pay attention to what's going on and not help you build a successful business, you know. Because it's it's hospitality. I saw um, if you, it's an interesting statement somebody said um, on a show that I watched about hospitality. Hospitality, hospital. The reason hospitality is very similar being for a hospital. Okay, the word is similar. Hospitality and hospitals. Why? Because what do you do in a hospital? You take care of patients. What do you do in a restaurant? You take care of customers. That's your job, to take care of customers. And it's hard to find people that want to take care of customers. They just want to take an order and walk away and drop the food, and that's it. You know, they're not really taking care of anybody. So you have to find people that want to invest that time. And truthfully, if they do invest the time, they'll make more money because yeah. of the way, the system we work under. You're rewarded when you do something well, right, in the restaurant as a well, server. Well, not now. <laughs> not now. It uh, seems like if you don't if you don't tip twenty five percent, even if you had a bad service, then then, then you're an, you're, an, you're an asshole or something. Well, I mean, I think servers, they're they're those expectations aren't in line anymore. It's been <laughs> it's been kind of weird, you know. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the reason that you, you, we have bad servers because they're getting tipped so high. Maybe they're getting tipped so high sometimes when they, they shouldn't be. If they're providing bad service, you shouldn't be getting tipped so highly, but. At the same token, if you do provide good service, you should tip. Sure, well, yeah. You know, and sometimes people walk in the restaurant and they don't tip well because even though they get good service, so 
there's that dichotomy that goes on. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting, weird place that we're in right now. What's, oh, go ahead. And for me too, with our business where, you know, we have pre-pandemic, we have a lot of things, you know, a lot of infrastructure in terms of our employees. So there was managers and there was, uh, you know, people that were lifelong employees in, in this industry and it's been hard to find those people that have been that are want to be in the industry for a long period, make it a career out of it, as opposed to people that just want to short term it. You know, I need to work as a server for a couple of years and I'm going to go to law school or, or I'm going to short term it and go do find another job or I'm going to this will be my second job or I'm going to work at three different restaurants because I'm going to work here on Monday and Tuesday, here on Thursday and Friday, here on Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> you know, so you're juggling their schedule. So that's it's, it's just a challenge in, in some ways to handle that. Mm-hmm. So what was your question? Um, I, I worked a little bit in the hospitality industry and, and restaurants absolutely loved it um, yeah. when I did in the people and the culture. Um, but very curious on what your opinion is as far as I don't I'd have to look it up, but where they're removing tipping and saying that you you don't tip at all. Um, what is the kind of the feeling around that with, you know, the people that work for you and, and your opinion on, on getting rid of that? I don't know what the opinion of people that work for me is about it. I think it's going to be really hard for us to sustain that because what you're going to see is that we're going to have to raise prices significantly. So, you know, there's going to be a recall. It, it's, it's, it's really weird because, at the end of the day, if you're tipping 20%, then prices are 20% t- higher. So I have to raise the price of everything 20% higher, but that's going to keep customers out because they're going to go, oh, my hamburger costs $35. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be, it doesn't make sense to them. But, right. you know, if they have to tip 20%, so now you're, you're and I'm not, that's kind of not the right $35 for a hamburger. It's not the right combination of stuff. But I'm just saying that 20%, if I put it on the price of whatever food I'm charging, as opposed to charging them for the tipping, and then I give that 20% to the, to the server, that should be even, right? Should be, should be fair. But I think you'll drive a lot of customers away. I don't think people will adapt to that necessarily. They'll look at your price and go, that's just too high, you know? But 20% tip is kind of crazy though. I don't know. It's pretty standard. Uh, industry it's like well if they did wasn't they did it a 15 a couple of years ago and wasn't it 10 before and i don't know it would i would say 15 was your bottom and then 20 percent was your top at yeah. some point 25 or more if you're gonna if you really want to make like really want to leave somebody a good amount of money i mean that was what it was during the pandemic all those rules were thrown out the door i mean people were just leaving 20s on 20 dollars you know Hundred percent tip on. Yeah. Well, know. yeah, because the people because felt bad that you guys were shut down for so long, and in the well, they were. We they felt bad because our servers weren't making a living. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the fact that we were shut down for so long. It was that we had staff that needed to make a living. Yeah. Some, at some level, for sure, you know, and we tried to support our staff the best we could. You know, and tried to bring in business any way we could. You know, um, we had sponsored meals to ho- to to hospitals so we'd have customers that would sponsor meals to the hospitals and things like that just to keep things rolling and keep people employed um you know selling beer to go selling food to go all that stuff you know not relying on delivery services for that for those kinds of things so it was a challenging period but getting back to the original question what a what do you think about that I, i think it's getting a little bit better too because you know, we're, we're starting to see minimum. We just raised our minimum wage for, for serving staff. It's now close to nine. It's eight 
$9.98, I think, which is $9 essentially. I don't know why they didn't just do $9, but whatever the case is, you know, for, for a tipped employee. So, oh, wow. I mean, I will tell you that most of my employees that are on the serving staff, I think when we figured it out, it was like $25 an hour. That they make yeah. overall. With the tips. Yeah. With tips, it winds up being like $25 it's not an hour. It's not, not bad. I mean, you don't work as many necessarily as hours, so you got to make up something there. But you know, when you look at the average with what you're making on salary, your hourly pay, and then what you get tipped, it's, it works out to be a pretty decent salary. Mm. I mean, most of the chefs and, the, and cooks in the kitchen don't make that, you know. So they're doing pretty good. You know, bartenders even more. You know, bartenders can can average a lot more. So they make a good living. It's just kind of find a, it's kind of hard to find people that can do the job sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about we try that stout? All right. <clears throat> I might need a, uh, do we have anything sharp around here? Because it's got wax on the bottle. It's got wax on the bottle. Yeah. Let's try to figure that out. But we'll get uh, it. We'll figure it. Yeah, we'll get it. I got a key, I think. Yeah? I think I got it. Oh, I got a key. I got it. <coughs> so what's the what's the story with that beer? So this beer was our anniversary beer. Um, let's see. So this was a blend of a uh, two-year-age blend of Stranahan's American Single Malt Whiskey Barrels and Buffalo Trace Bourbon Barrels. Oh, I love Buffalo Trace. Uh, it's got uh, butter pecan ice cream and vanilla graham crack crumble kind of huh. going on in there. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our uh, fifth anniversary beer. We released this on uh, March of last year. Okay. It had spent two years in two different kinds of bourbon barrels. And then we added a little bit of uh, vanilla to it and some uh, butter pecan flavoring. So you get a little bit of like ice cream, butter pecan flavor in there with the vanilla. Kind of a ice cream stout. It seems very heavy. Yeah, I taste the, the <sighs> butter, butter pecan. Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Yep. That's different. Yeah. And you get the, the whiskey in the, the barrels. Yeah, I've never tasted this very different. <laughs> it's so strong. Very strong. But What's you kind of get the, it's a, co- it's a sipper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's not you something you chug down. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to drink that after, like, you did the, after you mowed the grass for a few hours. No, and no, no. On a sunny day. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> this is so not it's the got the, it's got the chocolate. A little bit of chocolate, Mm -hmm. so that's going to come from the grain that we used. Um, A little cacao flavor to it. Um, Some uh, roastiness, maybe a little bit of roastiness. You might pick up some wood from the barrels. Um, Definitely whiskey from the barrels. There's definitely that hint of whiskey in there. It's not overpoweringly whiskey, so it's not like totally in your face like you're doing a shot of whiskey, but it's definitely there. It's almost, almost like a shot of whiskey, kind of. It's got a little. It's got some heat to it. It's twelve percent. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's gonna it's, it's gonna bring some heat. <laughs> it's very. Gonna, it's very. I don't strong. think I could finish half a, a glass. Yeah. <laughs> it it's would take sy- me out. Yeah. It's syrupy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of sugar 
residual sugar left behind, so you get that thickness. Is that the stout? Uh, the stout idea, like, is 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 uh, no, not. I mean, this is an imperial stout. So what does that mean? It's so anything over eight percent stout, anything over eight percent is considered imperial, which means it's a higher alcohol. alcohol yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so not necessarily. There's a lot of categories of stouts. You know, there's Irish stout, there's dry Irish stout, there's American stout, there's all kinds of stouts. They all have like we were talking about the different categories earlier, there's multiple things. This would be high ABV, imperial stout, coating rich, thick. Uh, a pastry stout is another description would be. Like pastry it's got stout. Pastry stout, like a dessert. Like a dessert. Like oh. a, you know, this would go really well with a nice piece of of cake or something like that. This one. Yeah. You know, a little sweetness to match the thickness and richness of this beer, you know. What's the? Um, I can't believe this is a beer. <laughs> me neither. What's it, it? It reminds me of the. Um, what's the the syrupy wine or whatever the port? Yes, Porto. Port, port wine. Yeah. 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 It's got no similar characteristics. Never, never like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could I see a lot of people that would like. Yeah, this. of course. Yeah, it of is. Course. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And we're drinking a little warm, so you're getting a little bit different texture and flavor from it than you would yeah, when it was as cold. Temperature definitely affects the way you, you taste things. So it's usually served more cold or like chill? A little bit colder, yeah. Okay. We're, we're definitely warmer than I would want it to be necessarily, but it's not bad. It's um, it's 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 interesting um, taste, but it, it does take it does taste like uh, like like port wine f- to me, mm. a little bit more, and. Um, this is something I've I've always had trouble with. Yeah, yeah, that rich flavor. Yeah, it's yeah. not something uh, not my palate at all. Not, <laughs> hey, not everything's for everybody. I no, mean, your IPA though I love yeah. <laughs> this one. Not, yeah. not my style. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, it's like a lot of people are the same way with IPAs, I and mean, they they, you know, IPA is the single most popular category of craft beer, by far. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of people that can't stand them. You know. Yeah. It's um, I just don't appreciate the flavor that's. But under. that's the thing. That's the thing with taste. Some some people they they. I wonder if if your taste bud uh, are are different to you know like if my taste bud are are different than yours and then maybe they're, they're we're all different. I think it's just your taste in general. I mean, I think that people experience things differently and they appreciate different things as opposed to. Other flavors, you know. But I wonder. I wonder maybe if maybe you like like it's like spicy food. Some people like spicy food. Some people don't like spicy food, right? That's true. She you know? she and can't handle anything. I've gotten better. We've we've worked on it quite a bit. Now I can eat. <laughs> I can eat more than just Doritos <laughs> without my eyes watering, and I've actually been enjoying <laughs> spicy food. But I would. You've got people who are, or like a chef, for example. You talk about all the different flavors. Mm-hmm. So someone that can sense or taste, I should say. Um, all those different elements within there. So for sure, people right. taste differently. Oh, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's super sensitivities to different flavors. Um, I've done off-flavor classes. so What is that? So just as we were saying, there's things that can be spoilers in beers. So um, certain things that can go wrong in a beer. And what they produce is they produce off-flavors. Uh, one of them is called diacetyl. And diacetyl is like a butterscotch flavor. Butterscotch flavor, okay? Okay. Caramely butterscotch, pop buttered popcorn is the way it's described. So when I've done these classes, 
the last one I did, we spike beers with the off flavor, and then I hand them out to everybody in the class. And I don't tell them what it is. I simply say, write down what you're tasting. Give me a descriptor of what you're tasting. What do you taste? What do you think it is? You know, and then we go around the room and we compare. Yeah. And some people will not taste it at all. And other people are like, oh, my God, butters, buttered popcorn. Uh, it's so much like butter popcorn. And they're like, you're like, well, how does he taste it? And that person doesn't taste it at all. Well, so, the, so, so then it, mu- it must mean that um, we don't taste things the same way. Some, at some level, yeah. Because it's, it's like this thing with cilantro. But wait, let me come back, though. let me me come back I opened something (laughs) let me come back to what I was just saying though as soon as somebody says buttered popcorn the person goes another person might go oh my god you're right it tastes buttered popcorn and I've actually sat at a bar with my wife and tasted a beer and I'm like oh my god this beer is terrible and she goes what do you mean I go taste it and she tastes it and she goes I don't know. I, it's something weird. I don't get, I taste something weird, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I go, creamed corn. And she goes, oh my God, it's creamed <laughs> corn. It's, she realized it. Yeah, you, you, the, the perception mm-hmm. of a flavor and being able to make that connection in your brain to that, what it is. You may taste it and not know what it is. It doesn't taste right to you, but you don't know what it is. Right. And then as soon as you hear... It's cream corn. Then you automatically then automatically link. it clicks yeah. in your head. And you go, oh my god, you're right. You that's know? true. So that's why I do the class. I kind of do it blind and let people try and tell me what it is. And then as soon as they hear somebody else say what it is, they're like, oh my god, you're right. It's like this thing uh, when you have something on your tongue. And and uh, the the other day we were um, looking for that fucking song uh, that we were we didn't know where, where it came from. And you know, oh when, for the intro, we were trying yeah. to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know when 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 you um, have something on the tip of your brain, you, yeah, you, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> you know you know you ha- you know something, but you don't know where you heard it, you heard it uh, where yeah. you heard it or or where it's from or whatever or uh-huh. what's the name, but you know you're absolutely sure that y- there's something there. It's a, it must be the same thing, the same thing. This than, is than similar, the taste. very similar thing, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, it says genetics play genetics plays a part in how we perceive taste sensations. But there's likely as much variation in sensory perception within a population as between cultures. Huh? How so? So certain cultures are tasting different things, differently. Different things. Yeah. yeah, they've adapted. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, taste yeah. preferences are first and foremost a product of our evolution. Yep, I can see that. Yeah, but I still think perception plays being able to make that connection. Mm-hmm plays a big role in, in understanding it. And it's, you know... In naming what it is. Naming what it is. You have to have a, uh, an experience of something in order to, na- to, to identify it someplace else. Yeah. You know, it's like Fabuloso. You know Fabuloso? No. <laughs> the cleaner, right? The cleaner. Are we talking yeah, about the, yeah, the floor the cleaner? cleaner? Yeah, yeah, the floor cleaner. It's uh, supposed to be a really it's popular, great-smelling lavender floor yeah. You but you don't, don't worry about it. it it's it's annoying to some people. You know? <laughs> it's overpowering. It's overpowering. Yeah. yeah, it can be overpowering. Wife hates it. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't not bother a fan. me. Doesn't, doesn't bother me. But it's lavender, and lavender is a very pleasing smell in the right doses. In some ways, yeah. You know, people use it to spray on their 
pillows for sleeping and things like that, and it's supposed to be very calming and soothing. Okay. But some people get annoyed by it, right? We're not using it in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't know. <laughs> so, so it's it's kind of it's a, it's tasting things is a very interesting topic because yeah. you can spend a lot of time tasting things and not be able to identify or be able to say, I just think it tastes weird or I don't I can't identify like you said cilantro. Yeah, cilantro to some people tastes soapy, right? Huh. You ever heard that description? Some people describe yes. cilantro as soapy. To me, other people describe it as fresh. It is fresh. Yeah. I feel like it's fresh. It's fresh. I right? like cilantro. Yeah, some people do, but some people find it to be soapy, which is a kind of fresh thing. I mean, if you think about it, soapy, soap and freshness is a very similar kind of thing, but your perception of that is very developed by your brain to be a certain way, right? You know? Do you think is there, there there's a right way and then and then some people are just wrong? No. No, I wouldn't. No. No, I think it's like a, a beautiful part of being human is that we all Yeah, taste I agree. Yeah. I if it was all the same, that sounds so boring, no? That's true. You know, and why people like things over other things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Otherwise yeah. we all look like a bunch of robots it just sounds exactly we all like the same exact thing we all like <laughs> this gray well it gets weird when you when there's a bunch of inbreds at some uh, the same place <laughs> you know sh- should get weird after a few generations <laughs> so, the tongue is sensitive to different tastes sweet sour bitter or salty and taste umami. as a sense and what umami 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 savory Ooh. yep Good. that's the fifth this one. Mm-hmm. Ah, they missed that one. I thought it was a made-up word. No, it's a Japanese word. Yeah, I've heard. I didn't know that. Soy sauce. Mm. Oh. It's umami. It's uh, richness, savory, one of the senses you get with your tongue. Most of your, your sense of taste and flavor comes through your nose. Huh. We have more, way more in our nose than... And we've done... Lo- I've done lots of fun stuff when it comes to tasting things and where you put something in your mouth and you kind of breathe it through the back of your nose or you breathe through front of your nose or you don't even breathe it at all and see how you experience it in all these different fashions because the nose has so much effect on how you perceive something but it makes sense though because when i didn't like something when i was younger my mom uh was telling me uh to hold your nose hold my nose nose. i wouldn't taste anything right it's wild, no? Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. It's, it, it's yeah, if something smells bad, you're immediately repulsed. You don't want to... Right, you don't want to taste mm. it, 100%. But we get used to smell, though, very, very fast. And you can there adapt. Is science it's like that. you're yeah, adapting you her to spiciness. I mean, you can adapt to maybe liking the stout at some point. You may, maybe. You know, if you drink a few of them, you may be like, you know, this isn't bad, you know? Well, I think like same with wine. Like over time, I didn't like wine mm-hmm. when I was younger, and then I've had a, a lot of it, and now I, you know, graduated up to. I used to hate olives. Same. You know. Same. And then I don't like olives that much. And then I started getting a flavor for them, and now I love olives. You know. Olives and is very pol- polarizing for some reason. That's so how you, I felt too. It's a very unique flavor, I think. To me, at least, it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's. I don't even know how to describe it. To tell you the truth, me neither. You it's know? it's that's that's true though. It's very. Um, I would describe it as olive. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I don't have a. I don't have a. There's nothing else to compare it to. <laughs> this is well. That's what it's. That's when you know you made it, though. Like when when the description is you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. So like the, <laughs> the olive stays. The olive stays is is olives. There's nothing else that compare. So Olive really made it. Have you ever tasted wine after, from right when you pour it out of the bottle versus when it sat and yeah. oxygenated for a while? Yeah, it's much better. It's, it's better after you've let it breathe. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right? So it totally changes the concept mm-hmm. of it. And then the same thing when it's super cold and, and room temperature. Well, you really have a trouble. I mean, that's why Americans, when they drink shitty beer, like to drink them super cold because... It's just you don't have any taste. <laughs> when it's your, like your taste is totally dulled. Ninety-five degrees and uh, and and it's uh, you know you've done something and then you you down like a a, a cold a cold beer. Mm-hmm. This is like this is this is good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but one could argue that maybe it's not properly being. Well, you're not you're like not you're not tasting you it. You're just enjoying the coldness and the fr- uh, uh, the refreshingness of the cold that you're getting in it. Uh, <laughs> it's good. <though. laughs> it is good. I, I, I hear you. This is this is one of the uh, yeah. the finer things in life. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good cold beer when you're done sweating. Oh yeah. It's yeah. even, it's almost even better than, than Gatorade at some point. Like, it's just like when you, when you, just one though, not, not a few, but the yeah. first, like kind of the first sip after, you you know, after a while. I've heard the, the story and they've, they've mentioned this in articles that beer is actually better for you to rehydrate than even Gatorade. Huh. So don't well, know if it's true. But I've well, read that somewhere. He's a brewer, so <laughs> it must be true. I read a lot of articles <laughs> about beer. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> what do you, what else do you do about uh, instead except for brewing beer? What else do I do? Yeah, uh, I guess I bet you, I bet you spend a little bit of time with your wife. I think you're married. Yes. Yes. Cool. Course, well, at yeah. least. Yeah. She's taken care of. Yeah, yeah, we go to concerts and shows and what kind of shows? Uh, we just saw John Mayer recently. At oh, Hard Rock, cool. which was very good. Nice. Solo, solo acoustic, very nice. I've got uh, uh, Willie Nelson's son is coming, Lucas Nelson. Oh, okay. Looking forward to that. Should be a good show. Saw him once in Nashville. It, very it must good. be wild that people refer you to your dame, name's dad <laughs> when you're. Well, I mean, his Willie's <laughs> Willie's pretty well known guy. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't sound. He sounds a lot like him. His oh, voice really? is really very similar to his, but he sings a complete. He's not country. He's like country. If anything, he's country rock, but more rock and roll than anything. Huh? What's his name? Uh, Lucas Nelson. Lucas. Yeah, really good. Looking forward to that. Nelson. And the promise of the promise of the real. Okay, mm-hmm. so the most popular song is "Find Yourself." Serious. Oh, that's a that's a good sound. That's a good sound. Not country. No, it's not country. I only listen to country lately, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
Really? I like it a lot. You like yeah. it a lot? <laughs> he didn't before he came down. No, here not even a little bit. Canadians no. and country. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait. Oh, I like it. Nice. Well, kind of bluesy. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But he sounds like Willie. He does if he listens to the voice. Huh. That's very good. Uh, yeah, Lucas Nelson, I'm a new, new follower. Got him on November 2nd, right in your backyard. Parker Playhouse. Go check it out. Huh, November 2nd. Are we going to be here in November? We might be out of the country at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can move it. <laughs> Want to go? We can see. Ships it out? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah, be cool to yeah. see. So, uh, Lucas like, Nelson. I that's like music. We like going out, you know, hiking, biking, walking. <sighs> we had this debate about the hiking. Because, um. <laughs> A debate about hiking. Yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> my 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 take on on hiking as Florida is is not very much hiking. No, there's no mountains. No mountains. But it's still hiking. It's not though. It's not fucking hiking. Not the same, right? No, it's no, no, no. It's not. It doesn't even deserve the name. <laughs> what do you think it's called? Walking. Oh. It's walking. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what happened. It's fucking flat. Yeah. It's You're in nature, though. I mean, if you go the right place. Well, it's still walking. Walking in nature is the hiking. The activity of going for long walks, especially in the country or the woods. Yeah. There you go. The, the, the guy that wrote that is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's definitely levels where it's a lot. You have to. So, I grew up here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've lived in a few places and definitely hiked in a few places and been some places where hiking is a big thing. And I like to fly fish, which is hiking and oh, fishing cool. at the same time. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Florida has got a special kind of, it's, it's kind of funny because I've grown up here. I was thinking about this the other day because when I look around, I, I'm so used to seeing everything. And I always think, what does it seem like to an outsider? Oh, it's great. So, you know, <laughs> the scrub to me is just, Typical, uh, a typical palmetto. Yeah, the, the the little palmetto trees and the little palm trees and the the sandy soil and the scrub that's around. And when you go for a hike, that's what you're really looking at most of the time. It's kind of a little bit boring to me because I grew up here, but to somebody from Canada, it might be unique and interesting. Yeah, you know, and cool to go go for a hike and see this stuff. And Go so, for a walk and see that. Yeah, we, we do some long hikes in the Everglades <laughs> sometimes, which yeah. is near there. Yeah, yeah well, The Everglades has got to be, is definitely, you know, someplace where I would consider it hiking because you're out in the wilderness of the Everglades. I mean, the Everglades is a unique wilderness. I don't I know. Mean, I mean, truly this. a unique wilderness That's at the end true. of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no other place like that. And I grew up yeah, next, I, I literally grew up two miles from the Everglades. So it's well, like. You say there's no there's no other place like that, but we were in Peru in the Amazon jungle the other day, and she says it looks a very much so like the Everglade. Yeah, it it's similar. Yeah, I mean, I I felt like it it was similar. Some of the things definitely. Yeah, matched, you, you had the, the sawgrass and everything like that. No, it was a bit more jungle, but um, <laughs> I was gonna say it was very jungle. It, it still <laughs> reminded me of, a bit of home, um, which is is wild to think because it's so far apart, but. Um, 
Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was similar. I mean, because I mean, it's really. I mean, if you know the history of the Everglades and know what the Everglades is all about, it's really a river. Yeah, and exactly, really? the Amazon's just a massive river. It's a giant river, comes down from Lake Okeechobee and flows out to the into the Gulf. This huh. is like you know the conversations that we had about like the I guess the debates that are going on about the sugar that's around Okeechobee and a lot of the um, efforts to drain it and mm-hmm. over the years. Um, well, have you ever heard the expression, uh, if you like that, I've got a, I've got a piece of property to sell you <laughs> in the Everglades? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, you know, in the swamp, basically. Mm-hmm. So there were, I guess, in the 20s, something like that, 20s or 30s, there was a land boom down here where they were going to drain the Everglades and sell it to people. Yeah, it was a military effort, right? They were no, gonna no, no, agricultural. They okay. were going to sell it as agricultural land. And so they did. They drained it. There was there was a couple of prospectors that came down here to, you know, homestead the land and then sell it off to people and drain the Everglades. <laughs> well, it didn't work. Their best efforts <laughs> their best efforts were ruined by Mother Nature because it, all it took was a good summer of rain and it was back underwater again. Oh. So, you know, that was like the big thing. That was that was the land boom back back then, and that's where that that saying. And I'm not saying the saying right. It's something like, "If you like that, I gotta." I don't even remember how it goes. Do you know what happened with the people that bought the the oh, land? Oh, they yeah, they got screwed, totally screwed, yeah, because huh. they bought this land and they they owned it and it just <laughs> became back in the swamp again. Yeah, and they couldn't do anything with it. This yeah. this yeah, this place is wild. It's it's very. Uh, very interesting. If you believe that, then I have swampland in Florida to sell you. Exactly. That's the expression. <laughs> <laughs> Similar so phrases involve selling the Brooklyn Bridge or right. non-existent oceanfront property in Arizona. Right. Yeah, because you can't. Well, they, I mean, Indians have moved down, or they did, right? They moved down, and they've, they've made homes mm-hmm. very close to that area, so they, they found ways to adapt and, well, and you live can, close you by. you can live in it. I mean, they built stilt houses out yeah. there and things like that. I mean, there are, if you, f- when you fly out of here, you can see some of the little houses mm-hmm. nodding around there and things like that, but I wouldn't want to live in that. <laughs> Would not be a pleasant place to, like, have permanent residence in. Depends on your, your opinion of pleasant. Some yeah, people think it'd be pretty cool. Mosquitoes? <laughs> Are intense. <laughs> they will eat you alive. alive. They'll fly away. They'll, it's they'll, they'll it's insane. Yeah, they'll fly away with you. Yeah, I mean, I would. That's why I wouldn't want to live out there. If it wasn't for the mosquitoes, there. it's you'd be fine. But the mosquito population, it's just a disaster. There's a really cool guy that has an Instagram uh, down here that's been documenting a lot of photography in the Everglades underwater. He's diving. He's a younger kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I follow him. We should definitely bring him on the podcast. It's really cool what he's doing. It's really cool stuff. Uh, Or something like that. Starts with an R. I think he just did some work with National Geographic, too. What does he do? A lot of photography. He goes out in the Everglades and is in the water, and he's got his camera underwater and films pictures takes pictures from like water level up and down and just really unique interesting huh. stuff and it's pretty cool stuff because when you're in the Everglades you really don't get to see you don't usually go in the water no you know nobody really goes in the water and to see what's going on under there is kind of really cool you know to see it's a different perspective for sure yeah yeah and you're in the cypresses in between the cypresses and the water and seeing all the different 
fish and wildlife that's under there. What's the cypresses? The cypress trees. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, Big Cypress. You ever hear of Big Cypress? No. So it's the Indian reservation between uh, Naples and Fort Lauderdale. Mm. Went to see a concert out there once. Cool. Mm-hmm. Who was playing? Uh, this band called Fish. They, they did it for the New Year's on in the millennium. 100,000 people out there. Really? <laughs> yeah. In 2000? In 1999, 2000. 99. That must have been wild. It was wild. No cell phones, no nothing. No. Bunch we had sh- cell phones. Not very good cell phones. <laughs> the, flip, the old flip phones. You know, it was a, it was an experience. How was it back then to go at a concert? And a, did you do the lighter thing with the instead of your camera? No, I think people had glow glow sticks and things like that. Yeah, no, nobody had the nobody was doing the lighter thing with your no with your cell phone back then. We didn't have smartphones. Like but there was lighter. No, the, that's yeah, the, you had lighters. Yeah, that was a thing. No, yeah, yeah lighters. Yeah. When I went to the mayor concert, everybody's using their cell phone to do the yeah the light now. Yeah, That's now we, we do that with this with the with the light on on, exactly. on the iPhones. Yeah, hundred percent. Huh. It's it's funny how how uh, the same tradition evolves and and becomes something something else. Mm-hmm. It must have happened like with basically everything that we do. Don't you think? It's called evolution, right? That's true. Yeah, and, I uh, guess so. We evolve, we adapt, we change, and that's why. What we were talking about before with these laws and everything else, it was like, we need change. You know, you got to be progressive in some of this stuff and start to adapt to the new realities of life. You know, you don't just stay stagnant. Things change. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to happen um, with uh, with uh, Biden and, and Trump at the next year? What, what's, what's up with that? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> what's, your, what's your take on this? It's, it's a it's not a good situation. I wish there was somebody young that could come in that had some passion and belief that they could change things and you know could bring something new to the table than the old guard has been doing. I mean, I feel like our our leadership has gotten old and it feels like everything is corrupt right now. It feels like we went we kind of went at the end of a cycle and then and then um, we kind of have to start something new or something. I don't know. I mean it. Politics has always been corrupt at some level. For sure, we, because we, we've let the corruption grow because we've allowed a, them to change laws that allow more corruption. Well, yeah, because we drifted from the plan, right? The plan was to do what what was written in the constitution to limit Correct. everyone's power, and then we, d- and then we, because we're fucking selfish, and we're, and then and then we're going to cheat when we have the chance at some point because everyone's level of uh, morality of like. All right, this is this is beneficial for me, and it's not going to hurt anyone. We're all in a different level, and if if we have this this sort of um, if we have an opportunity, then then some people are going to take it. Then it's going to become part of culture, part of how it's done, and then and then it grows, it grows, it grows, and then now it seems like everything is kind of you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird right now. It's definitely polarizing and definitely gotten a bit weird, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's. Not what I think the founders intended. I think we drifted to where the founders intended. We'd be using technology to really get the people to run the biz to run our the government, right? You know, yeah. I mean, we have more access to everybody in this country than we've ever had, yet we still rely on old technology and old things to 
get our opinions held at levels of government, right? And often, quite often, we're not really, our representatives are not really voting for the way that people are voting for. They're representing other interests. They're voting for special interests. Yeah, I mean, uh, it goes back, back in the 90s, I lived in Texas for a little while. One of the guys, one of the guys, it was the beginning of the internet, and one of the guys says, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a commercial oligarchy. And at some level, we do. Yeah, you know, we yeah. live in a uh, uh, you know in a place that's the politics are driven by business. Well, at first, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic. Not the same thing. True, true, but it's similar in some ways. It is. It is. You know, but uh, it's supposed to be driven by the people at the end of the day. That's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. and not by. Other interests. <laughs> well, I yeah, I think it's a it's it's been a long long time coming though. I think we peaked we peaked after after World War Two. I and think I think the West peaked after World War Two, and then the guys that won won that battle they had they had the world by the balls, and uh, they took the chance that they had to put the dollar uh, on top of everybody else. Okay. Because we came in and we saved everybody, and then we instilled like the dollar into the world currency, and 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 then we and then we had such a, a big boom of prosperity after that, right? And um, well, we had a big boom of prosperity. We also had the strongest middle class. Yeah, at and that then time, and, and we then it let became, the middle class die. But the problem, the problem is, bec- it, it, it life became so good and so easy that we we became very very soft we became unfocused and then now we uh we don't seem to because i'm sure we everyone sees the problem that we have everyone sees the the you know the 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 middle, the middle class disparity there is is disappearing there's a mental health problem uh the economy is not good um there, there's so many problems we're very unfocused and do you think do you think if the middle class was stronger than it is now if it was more like the 1950s and 60s, the middle class was that, that we'd have the homeless problem that we have right now? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. And I don't think, I, I don't think if, we, if we were so to have the, the same kind of morals that we, we used to have in the, fifth in, in the before, I don't think we would have the same mental, mental health problem mm. as, as we do now. I don't think so. I think, I think, so you think uh, our morals have changed? <sighs> yeah. I think uh I think um, mo- if you kind of distill the um, the core reason of kind of all of the issue that we have now is like <laughs> so white women have become like a kind of crazy in the in the last few years but if you think a little bit more, if you think a little bit more about it, tell me more. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> but if you think a little bit more about it, I think it's the, I think it's the, 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 I think it's the guys, the, the, the problem. I think, I think guys are, are too weak. I think, I think the, the, the weak men uh, has um, is kind of the core source of, of all of the problem that we have right now in the West. I think is like. We're very, very unfocused. We're too far towards the emotional, uh, emotional side. We don't, we don't even have like. How about I'm how about <sighs> the the fact that, like in the fifties and sixties, right, or going the forties and fifties, typically the the family structure was more 
you had the one person was working, brought home the wealth. You had the housemaker that was taking care of the family. Yep. And then you had the family, right? So that was the way it was. Yep. And then we had this change where women kind of became more independent and they wanted to have careers and they wanted to not, you know, and men wanted to do the same. So you had this like butting of the heads where you had two, now you have the two incomes. Okay. And that's what you needed to, and then it, that became the standard because then it took two people to make an income to survive. And then you've lost this whole family, a woman take caretaker of the family that was taking care of the kids and helping the kids do all the things. Cause really that's a whole career that truly is a career. In I don't itself. think that's, and I don't good... doubt that, that that's not a career in itself. And it wasn't ever respected as a career in a way. And you didn't, and the, at some point we got to a point where a single income was not enough to raise a family. Yeah. So you had to have a double income in order to raise a family. And now we've gotten to the point where even a double income has become really difficult to raise a family because you can't, the two people can't make enough money to raise a family. So we've gone away from what used to be the simple system where you had a, a, you know, whether it was a male or a female that was working and then the other person was taking care of the family to two people trying to take, take care of, you know, keeping the money coming in and the kids kind of yeah. <laughs> getting pushed to the side in yeah. a way. And yeah. so you've lost that, that caretaking going on at home. And I, I think that is a lot of basis for where we are as, as a, as a country. I don't think that's a good deal for anyone though. I don't think it's a good deal for anybody at all. I don't think that's a good deal. And, for and you know, and, and, and look at what's happened with, child care now you can't even afford child care so yeah. you got two people working right and now you can't even afford child care to put them into child care to take care of them when you're not when you're both working yeah doesn't so make we, sense. we've it's... had this slide <laughs> from that parent time period where we've lost income and the ability to raise a family with one income do you know where you come from though what inflation so the the when we when we um, unpaired the dollar with gold in seventy one, mm-hmm. well I think that's you know that's quite positive. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it comes from there because because the the dollar lost ninety three or ninety one percent of its value since then. Right, but it's still one of the most powerful con- currencies in the in the world, right? I know, but imagine if it was paired with the gold, it wouldn't be more. I mean. But the pro- the problem the problem is you a lot of gold. <laughs> the, the problem is it's like it's like with alcohol, right? It's like it's like the first few drinks are very very cool. You have you have all of this fun, all, all the fun in the world, and then mm. you become more social and whatever. And then you see it in the seventies and the eighties, the economic boom that we had. Even in the nineties, that was it was great. But then after like the tenth, fifteen, twenty beers. Then you become a fucking shit wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're hey about now. <laughs> you're infringing on my business. Just joking. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting how how that works though. Because uh, I don't know I don't know where where is this going. Where this I is don't going. know who who does. <laughs> Because um, may, maybe we're at the end of a cycle and 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 we have to start something new or or I don't know I, I don't I don't know how it's gonna turn out. I don't either. I don't think anybody does. Mm. I mean, we keep. What <laughs> 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 oh, do I see you play with your cups? So I was like, oh. I still got a little left. Ah. Okay. I think um, I think it's uh, it's nicer this way. I feel like 
A lot of people, like, I feel like everything is too created right now. Um, I don't like it. No. I don't, I don't like it at all. It's like it to be free, free form and free flowing. I like I like when it, I like when it's re- when it's real with with the flaws and the the nice thing that happened. Uh, yeah, I I and I, I I can't I can't believe I'm the only one that feels that way. No, I mean, I like I like the um, kind of like the beer. Like there's stuff that maybe some people think isn't right or something, right. and obviously you appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I yeah, agree. yeah, yeah. Sure. It's uh, so. What's uh, what's what's next for for the brewery? What's uh, what's going on there? Oh, just getting ready for season, waiting for people to come back down to South Florida. You know, I don't know. You've how long have you been down here for? One year. Oh gosh, you've been here. Uh, pr- well, I grew up um, roughly around like Orlando area. Not born, but grew up, right. and then uh, down to West Palm, and then down to this area. So we're we're pretty seasonal around here. I mean, business has been pretty slow for the last couple of months, so we're gearing up for season, getting ready for the influx of people, and you know, just not only the tourists, but also the snowbirds and the people that live here in the winter. You know, you're going to see the population increase. The traffic's going to get insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if it wasn't bad enough already, but it gets. Crazy stupid down here. Canadians are going to come back in a few weeks. Yeah, keep them off the roads, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people would say that you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, you know, it's, it's a real, I always think this is the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the weirdest places to drive. It is. Because... <laughs> We have we have so many different types of drivers here, you know. You have you have old drivers and young drivers, but you have locals. You have people from Latin America. You have people from the Caribbean. You have people from Canada. You have people from the Northeast. <laughs> so you have this cross section. You also of, have of all different <laughs> drivers that drive in all different, different ways. ways. You also have. All of these cars that are uh, being held with tie wraps for some reason. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Duct tape solves everything. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This is this is one of the craziest things that I've ever seen. Like, it w- that and, and... Well, you couldn't and do that in Canada because it would all fall off in the snow, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see that at all. No. You don't see that at all. And, and another, another crazy thing that I, I, I love to see in... in for, it's like um, those uh, uh, dirt bike gangs with uh, like uh, the quads. They're 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 like forty uh, something uh, dirt bikes and quads. They're all oh, yeah, doing yeah, wheelies yeah, 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 and shit yeah. in the traffic. Yeah, yeah. We ride bikes on Mondays. You know, red o- regular pedal bikes on Mondays. <laughs> so we have like fifty or sixty people come out and ride bikes with us, and it's pretty fun. But you know, we stay off the roads with all the crazy traffic people. And try and stay away from all that, you know. At the brewery? Yeah, at the brewery. We try and stay in a big group and, you know, with all our bikes lit up and kind of cruise through the streets and go through the neighborhoods and stuff like that. But we stay off the stay off the main roads because don't want to get killed. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's insane out there. I, the, the, I, I love when you're going 70 miles an hour on 95, right? It's, you know, 9 o'clock at night on a, on a Saturday. And someone races past you like you're standing still, 
and then a, like three other cars pass you like you're standing still weaving in and out of traffic it's like do you realize <laughs> what's going to happen if something goes wrong in that situation but the it's craziest thing not going to be pretty the craziest thing is when it's a, it's an old lady in an oldsmobile that <laughs> pass you like <laughs> <"Whoa."> <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen that often the old lady thing doesn't happen that often it's usually some crazy you know 16 year old kid driving a Hundred miles an hour on on the high. Or what about when one of those motorcycles comes ripping past you? You know, yeah, exactly. You don't even hear it <laughs> till it's going past you. You had no idea. You're changing lanes, and all of a sudden, there's a bike passing you. It's like, whoa, yeah. yeah. The, the 95. It's exciting, is isn't it? It is. It is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody might use that word, but yeah. <laughs> well, but South it, America was really interesting because they have way less, uh, I guess, you know, traffic laws and things like that. Everyone's yeah. driving absolutely insane, but there's oh, hardly yeah. any accidents. Right. At least from what we've seen is everyone is way more alert. They're driving a little more wild, but... But they're paying attention to what's going on. They're paying on. attention. Right. Yeah, they're honking. We get people surfing Facebook mm-hmm. while they're driving at 100 miles an hour down here. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you, over there you can't you can't do that because there's so many things going on. There's no lights. There's no nothing. There's, Everyone's in tut tut. There's in bikes coming in on, on, on all sides. And I, I remember being in South America once, and when you were going through intersections, people would just go doo doo. Yes. <laughs> Thirty miles an hour. Doo doo. Yeah. yeah. I'm going through. They don't even. They don't, they don't even stop. stop. No just, stop. Just honking. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be cool. Is that? A, it's gonna be all right for a second. Well. I guess I guess it works. It does. It does work. But when though. they bring it here, it's too many too many cross sections of people <laughs> happening. I didn't see any women driving over there, so maybe that's the reason. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's true. And she's thinking about it. Well, I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time in in Lima. I love to drive. I feel like I'm a pretty good driver. <laughs> I'm sure he's a better driver. So we get into conversations on this, but. I'm thinking about like the more rural areas where we were. There wasn't a no, I'll, a lot of guy like uh, two to three guys on a on a motorcycle, but right, three guys yes, on a motorcycle. Yes, or yeah. someone's got a goat, or yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, it, it gets really fast. They have they have they have taxi on on motorcycles. They're called tut tuts, so they no, yeah. no 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 oh uh, the actual actual taxi, but it but the, the it's on a motorcycle. They have the green helmet. The the yellow helmet. Oh, the taxi drivers are motors yeah. motorcyclists. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. Did you guys got a Machu Picchu when you were down there? No, it's my fault. She was she was sick. She almost died. Oh no. Yeah. We, so we, I spent the first week. Um, so we went down for two weeks down to Peru again. Didn't spend much time in Lima, and uh, the whole point was to acclimate to. We went into Cusco, <laughs> spent the whole week to adjust to the altitude, so we'd have no issues. Um, and then I finished working. We're like, okay, Saturday morning, we're going to get up. We were up at, like, I think, like, 4 a.m. to go to the train station super early. And um, about an hour goes by. I'm going to get really into this. But an hour goes by, and they, the train conductors come out, and they tell us, hey, there was a landslide. Um, so the train's not going to take you. Right. So now you're so going to walk. Yeah. Well, n- no, it's too far. No, it's a few hours. <laughs> it's a few hours. That would take yeah. maybe at least a, at least a day or more. Um, so they take us to this like really beautiful hotel, and we have like a nice breakfast and a great experience. Essentially, find out that um, we're the train's not coming. We're not going up there. So no problem. We're gonna go horseback riding um, up in the mountains there for a little bit. And I start to feel a little off while we're we're horseback riding, a little bit nauseous. 
And then when we finished the ride, I'm like, I think we need to go back. I'm not feeling so great. We weren't, it wasn't that big of a change in elevation, but I guess it was just enough. Right. And, uh, I quickly learned how wrong I was for not preparing for altitude sickness. I thought I was going to die. It was absolutely terrible. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was so bad. I was down. It felt like 10 times worse than the flu. Um, (laughs) They also have some, (laughs) what are the leaves called? The cocoa leaves. That's the cocaine leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know. And uh, our Airbnb host recommended, um, oh, just if there's some leaves, go have some tea. The tea was very good. Uh, it was good. <laughs> it helped It helped mask the symptoms for about an hour, but um, no, because of this, we did not go to Machu Picchu uh, this okay. time around. I gotcha. Yeah. Definitely it was my I dream, too, and because... It was not. <laughs> you had no idea what we were doing the whole trip. <laughs> it's a bucket uh, list item, for sure. Yeah. Have you been? No. Okay. Uh, I've never been to Peru. Apparently, I've been to it's Argentina nice. Argentina, and I've been to Brazil, but I haven't been to no. Peru. But Peru, Peru was very cool. Um, it was it, it was such a it was such an amaz- amazing uh, discovery. I didn't. I had no idea mm. about about what happened in Peru. I didn't even know what what, what we could do over there. Mm. Um, and then and then she was she felt very strongly about what we should do. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do. A, I'm very much so like we do whatever you want, baby, mm. and because um, I, I, you know, at the end, uh, we, if I want to do something, you, you'll know, right? I'm and then and then if I don't care, I really don't care. True or not true? True. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we're very, both pretty direct, and and yeah, very true. Okay. Yeah. But if I, if I don't mind, I really don't mind. So you, you feel strongly about this? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll do that, and uh, we did a bunch of things, and then we took. She's a little bit crazy when 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 we uh, <laughs> when we travel, dude. We took we took s- six flights in two weeks. No, it wasn't that many. <laughs> yes, it was. One, two. <laughs> yes, it was. Like four flights. No, no, you you're forgetting that we had to go back because we went to we went to Lima, mm-hmm. then we took a flight to Cusco, mm-hmm. then we t- then we had we went into the jungle. Three. Went back to the, to Lima. Then we went back to Miami. Ah. So five mm-hmm. in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right in between the two guesses. <laughs> you, said, you said four. She said six. Five was the uh, answer. Fucking it, was, it was a lot. Yeah. That so, was she, so she's right because I, w- I went overboard. So Price <laughs> is right and uh, I lost. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it was it was cool because uh, we did a lot of things. We did a lot of things. We I saw the Amazon jungle. That was that was that was very cool. Yeah, I um, told them everything. We were at the in Cusco, and I was like, "This is everything that could kill us," because right. he had no idea what was, what the Amazon was or what was entailed. So oh, yeah. I read of everything that could totally that could kill us when like we got out there. Everything on the everything on the planet, which there. is everything, <laughs> which is basically everything. And then, and then so we ended okay, up. I, I think Australia is the same way, right? Everything, yes. When you go to yeah. Australia, yeah. like everything can kill you down there but as well. People feel that way about Florida. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, wild. We've, we've brought, we've got like a huge amount of invasive species and everything here. I mean, it's pretty wild as well. The only thing that I really, I don't, I mean, you can get eaten by an alligator. Yeah. I mean, bitten by a rattlesnake, but that won't kill you. Spiders. I've never seen a black widow. Iguanas are taken or, over. Or a, a, they're not going to kill you, though. <laughs> if there's enough of them, I don't know. 
<laughs> They're more afraid of you than they are, than you are of them. Trust me. For now. Yeah. Same with the alligators pretty yeah, much yeah, for yeah. the most part, although there's been some recent sightings. <laughs> been a little bit sketchy. <laughs> get brave yeah they, when they're mating you want to stay the hell away from those suckers for you know, sure alligators mating mating season when is that in the spring usually i think so spring is like march april yeah okay so that's yeah. when we'll go out to the everglades yeah it's a good time mm-hmm. that's how when she's gonna cut you up and feed you to the alligators how do they how do they um you know in, insert, like I have no idea. I don't know. Can you yeah. look it up, please? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the giraffes you saw that were fighting the other day that I showed you. We saw fucking giraffe fighting. Where were you? In, in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Not in Peru. I was going to say, where, where were you in Lion Country did, Safari or did, something? Did you know that these fuckers, they hit, they hit, some, they hit other giraffe with their head? Yeah. With Necks. Well, I didn't know that. No. I think I've seen that. Somewhere, where I don't know on some documentary somewhere. The I thought I thought they, they didn't fight and because they're the only they're the only animal that we let kids feed them because they're so they're herbivores. No, I know, but like you're not gonna. I don't know. It's it seems like um, we we don't give uh, food to all of the animal at the zoo, right? The only the only one is the giraffes. No monkeys. Depends on the zoo. Really? Yeah. yeah. Monkeys, we give stuff to monkeys. Sloths. We saw a bunch of monkeys too. In Peru. That was cool. Yeah. You don't have to go far to see monkeys. You can go right down to the beach here, or over by the airport. Yeah. <laughs> He's serious. I'm not kidding. Really? Yes. Real monkeys. When, so, yes. Yeah. There's a. Thing oh, I thought you meant Monkey like Road over by the airport. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a. There was a. There was a. Some escape monkeys that got out and they've been, they inhabit that area over by the airport. Seriously, not kidding. Huh. And there's monkeys down by the parrot on that side of the beach by the bonnet house. I fought monkeys when I was in Mexico once. You fought them? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of this assholes stole my stole my sandal. Ah. And then, and then uh, I was like, thief, a, a thief monkey. A thief. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that so, scene in Indiana Jones, right? Oh well, yeah, kind of, because I want <laughs> train thief monkeys. I, I I I wanted to get it back, and then and then so like, so he was fighting me for it, and then all of a sudden there was like four or five other monkeys, and they all squared up towards me. <laughs> I was like, so I punched one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did it do to you? They left. They left. <laughs> oh, they left. Oh, my gosh. So they, they traced the monkeys um, to an escape from the Dania chimpanzee farm in 1948. Yeah. Yeah, See? so there's a lot of uh, African monkeys that are sighted that are over by this the is, this is This is what happens in Florida. Uh, we have animals, and they escape, and then they inhabit everything. <laughs> <laughs> Iguanas, boa constrictors, buffo frogs. Actually, buffo frogs were introduced as a way... To uh, control mosquito population, huh? And they got out of control, and now they kill dogs. Wait, what? Buff the big giant buffalo. If they frogs, eat them, right? They Is eat that them. Yeah, they're poisonous. poisonous. Yeah. So make sure Charlie doesn't. If you ever see them, they're big frogs. They're like this big. Oh, okay. They're big, ugly frogs. Do they? Do they have like? Um, they have like poison glands on that. 
on the outside of their body. Huh. Like kill your Sport dog. Sport is fun. Yeah. Oh, it is fun. But um, Have you seen the peacocks? No. Oh, there's Here? peacocks all over the place. You kidding? Uh, no. In oh Orlando, I saw them in Orlando all the time, but not down here. Oh yeah, yeah. If you go on, uh, you can go in downtown Fort Lauderdale off of Rose Drive, or you can go into Shady Banks. There's flocks of them. Peacocks. We have ducks everywhere. That well, it seems like there's more than ever because of the rain. For some reason, I think. Yeah, we have a. There's like those crazy looking ducks. They're a big problem. The mole. Uh, what are they called? Mole. That sounds right. Something like that. I wanted to do a duck à l'orange the other day, and then she told me it was not a good idea. Don't eat that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think there are people that eat those ducks. Yeah? Yeah, Really? Yeah. Pretty sure. Mulvaney? Crikey? Something like that. Huh. I don't know. But the craziest thing, though, is... Muscovy? Muscovies, that's it. Yeah, you have yeah. Mulvaney because of Dylan. There's some geese, too. I've seen some geese. There's a road where there's some geese. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah. yeah. But um, the other day, <laughs> a couple of months ago, we we were in Davie, and and um, we were coming back, I think, from uh, from a walk outside. Yeah, we were going to go on a hike. It wasn't a hike. No, it, no, was it was a walk. It was a walk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we were driving, on, on the, I think, on Davie Boulevard, and, mm-hmm. and, um, and then we hear a gunshot. And uh, I'm like, well, what the hell happened? And then, so we saw like four four guys with like uh, with like rifles. They were walking by the highway, and uh, so I, I I turned I turned around and I <laughs> I went I wanted to see that. And they were just walking. And then when we passed by, we like one of the guys shot something, and then she said, "Oh, they must be hunting iguanas." It's um, along the there, so there's a, a very long canal that's along that area, right. and there's iguanas all over there. And uh, okay. apparently, iguana hunting is legal. It's legal. We we googled it. Yeah. I used to shoot them off my roof with a BB gun, because they used they they used to hang out on the roof and they get underneath the tiles, and I was always afraid they were tearing. And they would get on my awning and tear put holes in my awning, so I would shoot them off the roof <laughs> with a pellet gun. I didn't know it was legal to. To shoot iguanas with uh, with a rifle here. Those things are terrible. They're creating jobs. I saw a truck the other day so that nice. had that had the iguanas. They were only iguana hunters. Creating they are literally creating jobs. Since 2006, they've been creating jobs. Since the big la- the last big freeze, they've been creating jobs when they were falling out of the trees. Was oh, no. <laughs> that? Oh, the, the iguana, when it gets cold, they 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 die. They go into stasis. Oh, okay. They like, yeah, 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 total, a hundred percent. Really? A hundred percent. They will, if they're in a tree, they will fall out of the tree. Huh? They'll get stuck in the. I had, we had them in my old house. We had palm. We had big. Um, what kind of trees were they? They were uh, the fishtail palms, and they'd be up in the fishtail palms, and they fell into the fishtail palms and died in the fishtail palms, and they stunk like ho- holy hell. <laughs> Because they, f- when the weather gets cold long enough, they'll they'll go into stasis, and then after a while, they'll freeze to death. Huh. But we never get it. It never gets cold enough to here. So one year it was really cold for a long period of time, and we had iguanas dropping all over the place. Wait. So how how is really cold in in South Florida? What's what's like really in cold? In the in like the forties and fifties, even. What, what is it in Celsius? 
so can you think, check like it out? Five or five degrees Celsius. It's a nebulation. It's it's it doesn't make any sense. Well, we do everything in Celsius in the brewery, so I think it's like four or five degrees Celsius. Four or five degrees. Am I right? I was reading about frozen aquatics. <laughs> it's here. just shy of five. Yeah, see? Yeah. Pretty close. Okay, okay. We do everything in metric at the brewery. Well, yeah, it's better. Yeah. It works better for us. It works well, it works better for everything. Until we get to the li- till we get to liquid. Then it's gotta be in gallons. Why? Because everything with taxes is gallons. Mm. If huh. it wasn't if the government would get on the metric system, we'd be fine. Well it may be <laughs> Problem is the government's not on the metric system. I gotta (laughs) report everything in gallons. That's the problem. So what's a gallon in liters though? Like three point seventy-five or something? Let's see. Thirteen. A hectoliter is thirteen point two gallons. No, twenty-six point four gallons. And a hectoliter is what? It's a. What is it? A hundred liters. Oh. Okay. Right? A hectoliter is 100 Hecto- liters. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. True. Yeah. So that's 26.4 gallons. So 3.70 something. 100. You I can start talking math and I start checking out. I'm not very good at this either. <laughs> I usually so use 100 the divided Siri, by yes. <laughs> just ask Siri. 26 Art by what? 26 by 74. Yeah, three 3.74. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Huh. I can't do the Fahrenheit to Celsius calculation without me, serious. Uh, me neither. That one doesn't make any sense. I never, I never was able to make sense of of, of Fahrenheit. Well, we grew up with it, so it makes sense to us. <laughs> but I'm doing everything now in Celsius in the brewery, so I know what our fermentation temperatures are, or what our freezing temperatures, you know, all that stuff. Because to me, like Celsius makes sense. Like zero, uh, below zero is freezing. Over zero is not freezing. Right. Then it gets gradually. More like hotter, mm-hmm. you know, in the numbers. We do all our weights in in grams and kilograms and all that stuff. Yeah, makes more sense. Yeah, it's easier. Hmm. And everything comes that way. It's kind of funny. All the European malts come in fifty kilogram, no, twenty five kilogram bags. <laughs> all the grain, all the hops come in twenty kilogram boxes. Okay, forty four pounds. 20 kilogram boxes, it's easier to deal with. <laughs> so what's next with the with the brewery? Where where do you see this going? Uh just making beer and trying to sell more beer, you know. That's our job. Do you have you have one location or multiple? One location. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do more or are you uh no. I mean if we did anything, it would either be another tasting room or a production facility of some sort. So I think production facility would probably be next. Yeah, because you produce you produce the beer at the where you sell it at mm-hmm. the restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah, and that's where most of the profits made. Really? Yeah, you don't make much profit. Profit and distribution is challenging because you have to sell it to somebody else, and they have to sell it to somebody else. So you lose all that margin in the mm-hmm. process. So it's, that's why it would be good if we had self distribution because we could make that margin up <laughs> as well. Yeah, would help. Yeah, well, but it is what it is. We'll see where we go in the future. No, I mean uh, that's next would be production facility probably to distribute more beer and 
get our get our beers out to a bigger bigger audience. Are there any events that you're putting on or uh, that absolutely? Know about? Uh, so coming up this weekend, we have the beer run, which is a 5K, and then we also well, it, there's a 5K, and then there is also a beer run. So the beer run is a one mile run, broken up into four quarter miles and during each quarter mile you have to chug a beer <laughs> which one are they is it <laughs> no okay <laughs> honey love i believe is the first one okay so nine and a half percent but i think it goes down from there so in the, each of the runners runs a quarter mile and chugs a beer after the quarter mile and then it gets back and then runs another quarter mile and then has to chug a beer so it's kind of an interesting event and that's um, this weekend that is this saturday yes october 7th and then uh, at the end of the month, we're doing a pumpkin carving and a spectacular trunk or treat, which will be fun. Uh, we do a big pumpkin carving. Everybody carves a pumpkin, then we put them out, light them up, and put them out on the bench and let somebody judge who's the winner. Uh, usually the kids' band that comes out and plays judges that, so that should be fun. Uh, lots of live music. As always, we always have music on Fridays and Saturdays. We have trivia on Thursday. Wednesdays is music bingo. We had 90s music bingo tonight. I don't know what's coming up the next couple weeks, but we're doing themed music bingo now. And then Tuesdays are two-mile run, and Monday is our bike ride and yoga. Nice. And are all these events um, posted on a, a website, too, so people can check out a calendar? Website or and, yeah, website and, uh, fa- and uh, social media. What's well. the website? Uh, Tarpon River Brewing. With a ing at the end dot com. Not brewery, so nice. Yep, nice. And we always have lots of fun stuff coming up. So there's always some some interesting events going on. Yeah, and the beer is amazing. We will amazing. attend. Yeah, and, and the beer is, is amazing, and food is really good as well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. For, for real, it's uh, I really really love it, and I'm, I was so I was so pumped that we we got to do this together. No, it's it been fun. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. I've enjoyed it. All right. All right. Um, Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.